Opa Gundam style, everybody. Welcome to <laughs> Wow Kurobot. I forgot yeah. that was... Th- Sarah, I, that's it's... your fault. <laughs> I know it is. I forgot <laughs> uh, Welcome to Wow Cool Robot, a show about mobile suit Gundam. I am Max. I use he, him pronouns. And with me is our newest co-pilot. Hey, it's me. I'm Sarah. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, you also might know me as Genya, depending on what part of the internet you know me from. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. You also might know her as Queen of Podcasts. Yeah, um, I was about to post before. I didn't want to. Dis- <laughs> I I refrained from posting this in the Discord before because I felt like yeah, like I, a bit of an ego stroking thing. But like, I was like, I was giving a bit of the podcast sweats about this, despite the fact that I have like 400 or so episodes of podcasting under my mm-hmm. belt. Like, like I am, I am a podcaster by by like just in terms of amount of hours I've sunk into mm-hmm. it over anything. Like the only thing I am more of a po- the only thing I am more of than a podcaster, just going off of number of number of hours invested is a league of legends player and this is a horrible thing to be <laughs> yeah oh so, I don't, sarah i don't know if this whole series is gonna work out then <laughs> Listen, it's, it's been over 10 years it's been over the course of 10 years i've podcasted this much at only six <laughs> we all have our p- crosses to bear yeah um <laughs> league of legends enjoyer <laughs> <laughs> we're here to talk about gundam and yeah. it's an exciting time because I have not done a single Gundam series that has like been made past the year 2000. Hell, I think the latest Gundam series I've done was in like 95, technically 98 if you count the movie that was made a couple years after. Mm-hmm. And we are jumping 20 years past that. This is a series, uh, Iron-Blooded Orphans, by the way. You could probably tell because the intro music, if you know anything about Iron-Blooded Orphans, is that the Yakuza is involved, which is why Bakamitai is the intro music of the show. I'm unfamiliar with the fact that the Yakuza are involved. I'll, literally, all I know about Iron-Blooded Orphans is Raise Your Flag. That was the only thing I knew going in. Mm-hmm. And it just, Sarah, all of the openings. There's four openings for IBO, and they all kick ass. I also love the... I also We'll get to it when we get to it, but I do really love the ED on this one. Like The, the hard- ED is so... So the, good. Like the song itself just harkens back to like 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 I have not seen an, I feel like I've not seen enough eighties, nineties anime to make this statement, but it does harken back to like eighties anime yeah, endings it, it, to it, me. It's a very retro feel. Yeah. Like the, the woman the woman the like the woman hitting the fucking great gig in the sky levels of vocals. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> set to mobile suits just like shooting rainbow explosions in space. Yes. Fucking kicks ass. Um this is Iron Blooded Orphans. Uh if you're if you're like only a pod listener and don't watch the show. Uh, this is an entirely new series, an entirely new timeline. This is not Universal Century. This is not uh, uh, um, After Colony. This is not what the hell is the one in G Gundam. Uh, fuck, I forgot. Doesn't matter. Future Century. Th- this is post-disaster, um, which is a wonderful way to name your timeline. 300 years ago, something fucked up happened. And we'll learn about that as we watch the show. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just like, you know. <laughs> and what... Just funny. One of the Gundam series timeline is just Anno Domini, but it's not the one set in our world. It's a different no, one. Anno Domini too. It's, <laughs> on, it's, it's Anno Domini, but there's a second I at the end. Yeah, Anno Domini. <laughs> Anno Domini. Uh, so this is entirely separated from any other Gundam series. It's its own timeline. It's its own thing. People are always clamoring 
for more stuff set in uh, post-disaster. And there's like a manga that's going on and there's a mobile gotcha game that's supposedly releasing. That's <laughs> supposedly been releasing for the last like four years. So we'll fucking see on that. Yeah. Um, I accidentally d- picked the perfect series to like you did. To, to be on for because um when, when Max, when you started this podcast, I said, wow, this, I, this sounds like a great excuse for me to get really into Gundam and watch along with the podcast. And I did uh-huh. that for the first series. I watched all of, <laughs> I watched all of 079 and I was like, like, <laughs> have I told you my main method of watching 079? Like the way, the main way I would do it last summer when, or not last, it would have been two summers. Well, summer 2020 was when yes. I was watching. Um, have I told you my, me- what I did? No, I'm excited to learn. Um, I was really, in, I was like really into Final Fantasy 14 at the time. The bug had bitten me, and I kind of fell off uh-huh. of it as time went on. But like that summer, I was super into it, and so every day, I, you know, I would do my dailies. And when I was doing dailies of MSQ Roulette, I would every time I rolled Praetorium during the cutscenes, I would just tab out and watch a full episode of Gundam of Gundam 79 mm-hmm. while the cutscenes played. Kicks ass. It's <laughs> because, MSG while you MSQ because the the um the 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 cutscenes didn't praise the second one, right? It's it's praised like the second the final MSQ story because there's Castor. Oh god, pray. it's it's been a bit um. Whatever the se- whatever the second one is, the one where you jump in the Magitek armor and like you know blast. Yeah, that that that's the second to last. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, whichever whatever the second whatever the second one is, that that the cutscenes in that are roughly twenty three minutes in length. So I mean, you gotta out. find some, you gotta find something to do with them. Yeah, you're you're simply MSGing while you yeah. MSQ. And I was never main tank anyway, so if I was a little bit late getting back to the action, that's fine. Yeah, you're in. You know, you're doing new type shit in space. Yeah. Um, no new types here, by the way. Surprisingly no. <laughs> enough, this the, the new type allegory here is uh, extremely fucked up. Yeah, it's it's instead of being a new type, what if you were Neo Matrix? What if you were Neo freaking Matrix? Oh, it's it's fucked up. Uh, it is genuinely fucked up, and it's like it's a cool thing. But again, a lot of this is like it. it it feels much more analog than other Gundam series are. It's all chunky and mechanical and and grimy and dirty, but still in a way that like has its own like totally unique style to it. Right, like, like and we we see that in the very we see that in the very first episode because again, I I I speak as someone who's got a season who's got like a series and a half of Gundam under her belt. I've seen mm-hmm. all of, I've seen all of seventy nine. I've seen about half of Zeta. I've seen Zeta up to the OP change. Um, mm-hmm. which is not I have not fallen off out of like lack of enjoyment for the series. It's just. I had a lot of momentum. I got really busy. I lost my momentum, and I have not gone back to the series. Right, I'm sure, I'm sure I will finish so much. But um, I think like literally in the very first episode, we it is a like a a, a a very minor like character point, a character plot point that one of the main characters literally got their hands dirty, like and like yeah, like it's literally we see them like working on these things in a way that like I feel like was not exactly there in like we saw Amuro working on this stuff, but like he never like. I don't know. It's gr- there's grime. There's there's grease. There's dirt. There's there's sand. It's Mars. There's red. It's Mars, the red planet. We're not on Earth right now. We're on the other one. Yeah. We're <laughs> Elon did it. Oh fuck. Oh no. Oh beans. Oh um, fuck. Mikasa keep pulling up in the te- well. Te- Third, third, third division could not have the fucking Marda pulling up in this Marda fucking <laughs> skirting out the planet in the Tesla in the Tesla car spaceship. The, 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 the fucking mobile worker just like drifting into it, just uh, obliterating it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Marda getting Mar, Marda getting like pancaked between uh, between a mobile worker and his Tesla because the handle froze <laughs> over. <laughs> 
got too much fucking Mars dust in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, we raided it on Earth. We didn't think, we thought it'd be fine. It's terraformed, right? Oh god. Okay, we're chomping at the bit. I think we did, I think it's time to dive in, Sarah. Yeah, I'm fucking excited. God okay. damn. All right, I, ooh, okay. I usually put a little, I would have put a new type flash in between the episode number and name. They don't do dune types in here. There is a fun noise that I can add in that will make sense like three quarters of the way through the series. But until then, <laughs> this is Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans, episode one. Iron and Blood. <clears throat> On Mars, in Arbrow territory, in the Crease Autonomous region, sits CGS, a private military company consisting of both adult and child soldiers. They are tasked with transporting Kudelia Ina Bernstein, the daughter of Crease's representative. Uh, to Max, Earth. sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I, I believe her name was Bernstein. Yes, thank you, thank you so much, Sarah. Uh, they are tasked <laughs> with transporting Kudelia Ina Bernstein, the daughter of Crease's representative, to Earth, so she can negotiate for Martian independence from Earth. She becomes a target of Gallarhorn, a military peacekeeping organization, after her father sells her out, so her movement can be crushed. As Gallarhorn attacks the CGS base to capture Gudelia, the adults try to escape so the kids will be killed, acting as their shields. The initial battle is ended as Mikuzuki August, one of the CGS child soldiers, gets in Gundam Barbatos to fight off Gallarhorn's mobile suits. Uh, fucking good first episode, I think. Great, great first episode. I, um... I, I took a screen cap of my notes after I had finished the first episode, and it was like, mm -hmm. I, because I've had multiple issues with, like, the Sticky Notes app uh, crashing and just, like, deleting all my notes without anything, um, I've just been doing all my notes in, like, Notepad. That's and how I do it. So I had, uh, I believe I was in 120 lines of notes in the uh, by the end of the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, li 122 a lines of notes. <laughs> Though, 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 though the first two of my notes are, here I go, and Haro in the sunlight, Sunrise logo, smiley face. Yeah, you can see Haro. Uh, I mean, compared to me, again, I've been doing this podcast for close to two years. I have 142 lines for all three of the episodes combined. But again, oh, I didn't even mention this. Sarah, you're baby to the show. I'm not. This is a Gundam I've actually seen before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I've... I've yeah, that was one of the reasons I, I picked the show, because I was yes. like, number, the, there are three great ways to get me to watch something, which is, uh -huh. number one, number one, date me, number two, be a, like, a local friend of mine, and we can hang out and, like, do anime nights together, number three is to uh, invite me on a podcast about uh -huh. it. That's the thing, this is the podcaster's burden. What's the point of watching a show if I can't turn it into content? Exactly, right? <laughs> um... I like, mean, <laughs> me, me in four months when Chainsaw Man anime comes out and I rev up the fucking, I'm revving up uh, Old Friends Chainsaw Dog Sanctuary podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm very proud of. That's very good. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and this series is very good because the very first thing you see is a, a kid killing a guy. Uh-oh. Yeah. You see uh -oh. a kid just oh, no. fucking, no, just blasting a guy for some cash. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's like literally I, bloody dollar bills in the background. Right, it's literally like this guy exploded into money like fucking Sonic. <laughs> yeah, he did the. <laughs> yeah. Orga, Orga, who should I throw on the spikes to get their rings next? Uh, hold uh, on, hold on, Orga. I just heard a sound. I think we have. I think we need more, more than one bullet. Hey, Orga, can you grab me and hover me up to that building over there with your weird like propeller head bangs? <laughs> Um, Orga, come so, on, Orga, come on, player two, I can't beat this level just as me alone. <laughs> God. Uh, I guess that makes Eugene Knuckles then? I don't know. I, biscuits, well, Biscuits, like, Biscuit Mars. Yeah, no, okay. bis 
Yeah. I'm, if I'm looking at, well, if I'm looking, I'm looking at, now I'm looking at the core of, is it, I, I kept forgetting, is it like, it's like a really generic, is it team three? Like division three? They're, I think they're team three. Yeah, I thought, that's what I thought it was, but like, that just sounds so generic. I was like, you definitely did not remember that, uh, right? Though I guess in Naruto, well, I mean, they're also, in Naruto, they're also like team three, yeah. I think. But they're, um, they're only team three for not even three episodes, so it doesn't, right. it's not really worth remembering but but, but now eh. i'm just mapping like all of all of team three onto like the six playable characters in sonic adventure director's cut because you've got Shit, that's good you've got you got you got you got you got your sonic you got your tails you got your mm-hmm. knuckles and i do think um akihiro would be knuckles in this case no yo, you're absolutely right okay yeah akihiro's knuckles um, and then who it was it was omega big the cat and amy right those amy. Are the three. so um, kudelia kudelia aina berenstain is amy yes I think Ome- Omega is hmm. no, I'm mean, no. It's 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 Gamma. Omega's from Sonic Heroes. Yes, you're right. Sorry, that was the, I played I much mean, more Sonic Heroes than I played. He- here's the thing, Sarah. I don't know why you're thinking so hard about this. The Gundam's Gamma. <laughs> well, yeah, but then like, but then Eugene or Biscuit is on the is on the outs. Like, which one? <laughs> okay, all right, fair. <laughs> um, so so Eugene and Biscuit case. are big or are big and uh, Gamma, and I'm going to just say I think Biscuit is big for me. Which I mean, yes. I, they are both large, but they also are both like friend shaped. They're very friend shaped. They're very nice. They're very yeah. sweet. So I guess that leaves Eugene to be Gamma, which that's he. He can be seen as cold and robotic in some cases. Sure. Well, no. Okay. In that case, well, then I think um, if we if we break up the Sonic Tails pair, then I think like Eugene would probably be better in like that. That brings Mikazuki down to down to Gamma for me. Based on honestly, what you, said. you know what though, Mika works as Gamma though. Yeah, so then like that's he, he's Sonic, hmm. Sonic for Orga, and then Tails for Eugene. There, yeah, <laughs> Eugene, <laughs> Eugene just doesn't map into this particularly well. I don't think because there's there's not really got there's not. <laughs> I, I I know he's like one of your favorite characters. I'm sure he will get better, but from my notes in this first episode, these first three episodes, he's just very much guy who sucks in my notes. Oh no, he was like that for me too. He'll grow on you. Yeah. Um, I very much enjoyed. The, I I listen like. Acro- sorry, I- across all media that I've enjoyed over my time, one of my personal favorite character archetypes is blonde shithead. Like, a, <laughs> you're like, in for a treat. Like, I'm trying. Like, like the examples of this I already give are like, like the most the, the most controversial one I think is Joffrey from Game of Thrones. I love that little I love that little shit so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Sionji from Danganronpa Two is in this. Um, I, uh, 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 I'm trying to think about, there's one that I always point to that I can't remember. Uh, Sadoko from Higurashi. I love her. Okay. Um, you know, and so I think Eugene could really fill that, could really grow to fill that arc, it, it, to, to fill that, you know, that love that I have yeah, for, yeah, me, yeah. for these guys. He will fill the archetype over time. Yeah. Um, so this is even, this is like this whole first thing. This is just a flashback. This is so. Yeah. Babies. Black hair kid, Mikazuki August. He's our main, main character. He's the Gundam pilot. Uh, not yet though. He's just a guy. And Orga, who is, like, Orga is so fucking cool. This guy's hair kicks ass. He's got Absol hair. He has Absol hair, but, like, he does this really cool thing where he'll lean his head back and he'll close the eye that's in the shadow of his, like, weird, wispy, foot-long Pokemon black and white two Colress bangs. (laughs) Like, he's simply, he's just kind of fucking cool with it. And we like Orga. We like all of them. I, 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 yeah, not a, well, I, I do not much enjoy Eugene, but, like, aside from that, mm-hmm. everyone, yeah, yeah. everyone I've met in this first episode is tremendous. Yeah, it's, it's a good first impression. And they all have pretty fun names, like Mikazuki yeah. August, Orga Itsuka, those are cool. Eugene Seven Stark is his name, Eugene which is pretty Seven cool. Eugene Stark? Eugene Seven Stark. Well, fuck, Ned, Ned, Ned and Cat have been busy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's like in Nordic countries where you're named after your parent. It's like yeah. your name one and then your parent's last name. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, that's good. Um I I just enjoy Biscuit. We'll get to his sisters in the next episode, but Biscuit <sighs> is I just I have such an affinity for like fat characters in anime, just like across t- like one mm-hmm. of the first characters that I really like felt like I kind of saw myself a little bit in was uh um um God, I'm gonna show my ass a little bit by calling him by his dub name, but JP from uh, Digimon Frontier. Yeah, the, um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just I I really enjoy that, but the thing about JP is that he's very much like a fat character, like with the negative content. Like he's like obsessed with food and he's just like kind right. of a sh- but like I don't know. I just like to see a fat character who is nice and not like we are not just seeing him shoveling food into his mouth. Right, it's not his personality, exactly. Yeah. No, I, like, he, I mean, Biscuit's, like, like maybe one of the most level-headed of, like, all the kids. He's, like, the almost the brains of the operation in a lot of ways. Yeah, I like I like him and his hat. He looks like a, um... He looks like, like, a... <clears throat> who was the... Who was the po- who was the gym leader that, like, had, like, the, the, the 40s aviator look going on? Um... <sighs> Not the, the f- not the forties, like the the fucking the aviator. So look. there is there is the frontier brain Norman who has the same kind of hat biscuit does. I think it's like a sort of like almost like a newsboy cap. Um, who the fuck gym leader is an? A- I mean, there's Skyla, but she's like more of a sexy aviator. Yeah, um, no, it's not Sky. I could have sworn there was like a. I could have sworn there was like a gym leader with like a fucking. I'm thinking of the fucking Digi-Destined girl from season two of Digimon. Never mind. Never mind. You're thinking I'm, of I'm Yoli? Punk. Yeah, I'm thinking of her. <laughs> I always confuse Pokemon. Like, All right, she could be a gym leader in a different, right? different like, universe. Like, look at the look at those. Like, are you telling me that fucking, like, fucking Davis? Okay, not Davis. Da- but, like, Ken. Ken looks like a gym leader, right? Like. Yeah, I know. He has, no, he maybe, has, maybe he has that little gym leader a, swag. Maybe not a gym leader, but, like, an, like an N-type something. He's a rival character. I mean, yeah. he literally is a rival character in the show. Right, so. but like the um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we're on Mars. We we do see the Gundam. It doesn't do anything. It's just kind of like it's kneeling chilling, there, yeah. all hooked up. You know, it's the Gundam because the fucking like Razor PC cables are all like tricolor to match the white and the red and the yellow and the blue. I love how like thick and heavy those cables looked. Yeah, like it's just a real he- like. There's a real heft to this that like like the. It's not to say that I think that Gundam looked small in what I saw of 79 and uh, in 79 or what I saw of Zeta, uh-huh. but like there is a scale here that a yes. weight to this thing that I feel like was I have not really felt in Gundams that I've seen thus far. Um and, you know, <laughs> like guy who's only seen Boss Baby voice, like the the weight <laughs> yeah. of this the weight of everything in Evangelion in particular is it's it's a little bit reminiscent of that for me, like the, yeah, like one of the things that I really do love about Ava is the scale of everything. Like it does make things feel appropriately large or small. And like uh-huh. I think the size of I don't know. I just like the size of the things that are happening in this one. No, I I'm with you there. The, the space fights you don't really get that scale quite as much because again you're in the vast nothingness of space. Mm-hmm. But the fights on the ground they do a really good job showing like. It's like a fucking mid two thousands Xbox shooter. It's like oh, environmental damage is yes. possible with the, with the new power of twenty fifteen's anime crew. <laughs> it's like what that is. It's like just, just dust is like just everything's all chunked up and right. And, like and, the, and again, like there's the a dust, very the dust was used as like a fighting tool like multiple yes. times in these episodes. Like the 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 terrain was used as a mm-hmm. as like a God, it's as like really a weapon good. almost. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a line that I wanted that I poked at or that I found that I saw early in this that I enjoyed, which is um mm. like. 
um, Mikazuki is talking to the um, what's her name? The the girl with the white tank top and the the blonde. Um, I don't know if she's like an important character, but she like shows up in the first episode. She's doing landmine drills with the kid who loved boobies and got oh, into a that's not pieces. a girl. No, that that's a boy. That that's, is um. That's a boy. That is ta- ta- Takaki, the one who gets hit with like the baton. Takaki, yeah, 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 yeah. Takaki. I thought that. I just kind of thought that was a girl. Like the hit, okay, but um, okay. I guess that doesn't make any sense. Uh, be what? Well, I guess the context of this note doesn't make any sense to me anymore. I don't remember the context of this line, but someone says Mikazuki isn't hungry for girls. Which true? Mikazuki is hungry for blood. Mikaz- yeah, that's the thing. Mikazuki is like he he doesn't he doesn't care about you know getting with anyone. He just wants to fucking brain someone with a big mace. Yes, he he, he did a full strength build in Dark Souls, and he got the female ultra great sword. Yeah. He's like, hmm, I want to do this in real life. He he yeah he wants to do yeah yeah. Um, yeah. he just <laughs> he cares about two things: killing and Orga. <laughs> exactly. Killing, he cares about killing Orga and killing for Orga. Exactly. <laughs> That's his Venn diagram. Like, okay, I. This is the thing. I, I. This is a good. This is a good segue to talk about the thing that I told you I was going to talk about. With um. Yes. I am. I am not like a huge shipping brain person. Like, I there uh-huh. are people, there are people in my life who are much bigger into it. Like, I'm not a big fan fiction reader. I just like you know enjoying like it's mostly just like an art happening across my timeline yeah, like, a casual observer yeah I, and i can't i won't act like i haven't been doing this for a long time like i have been a big like you know narumitsu from ace attorney for like uh-huh ever since i played that game like fi- for the first time 15 years ago um but there is one like shipping dynamic that always cuts to my core and it's it's I've only, I've heard it referred to as like the King and Lionheart, the which it's named after the Monsters and Men song, which I'm showing my it's it's a bit I'm being a bit cringe, but I'm also being a bit free about this. Uh huh. No, this is a, this is a safe space to to say wild shit because I guarantee you nothing you say could probably get close to the wild shit we would have said in earlier like, seasons. The closest thing that I can the closest thing that I can approximate it to with like in, in other things like like the most romantic imaginable right hand man kind of thing you like like. I'm I'm trying to think of like a non-platonic version of what Captain Amelia and the guy who was made of rock in Treasure Planet had. Honestly, so it it's like this this complete devotion towards yes, someone. Yes, exactly. Yes. Just like the way that Mikazuki is just like willing to follow Orga into any like like it's it's that post like if Orga has 10,000 followers, I am one of them. If Orga has 100 followers, I am exactly. one of them. If Orga has one follower, I am one of them. If Orga has zero followers, I am no longer on this earth. If the world is against Orga, then I am against the world. Yes! <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I am also like that. I fucking love Orga. It's like or- Orga's his guiding star. Orga's yes. like his counterpart. Yes. It's, just, it's, oh. it's cool to see that like sort of juxtaposed with... The main thing Orga has him do is murder, right? But you know, you know, it, it makes for fun character development. It's a, he, he's his Lionheart, exactly. Um, one thing I did notice, and you might notice this a lot, Mikazuki's voice actor. It's not that they're not trying, but like his character is so subdued, really, and really quiet, right? Really disaffected in a really great yes. way. And I think that, like, I think Mikazuki really projects an air, like projects an air that is very hard to get a read on, and like. Oh yeah, I think that like I think that the way that like Aina interacts with him is really emblematic of this because like everyone around him is just like used to him being like this, but like we as the audience are not like I, I think we right. we are supposed to experience him like kind of the way that Aina is. And mm-hmm. I kept calling her Aina in my notes because that's what the name that's the part of her name that I latched onto before. It's, the- it's the easiest one to type out. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
But but in the dub, and I'm watching the dub for the first time in my Gundam history, again, because mm-hmm. I watched this up originally, he's a lot more lively. I wouldn't say he's livelier. I wouldn't say he's lively, but there is a lot more emotion in his voice. And it it it's not really like the Mika that I'm used to. But at the same time, it does help portray him as he's just a kid. Like these kids are all like 15, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And this is a Gundam show that really makes you feel that more than others. Like it, I mean, anyway, it's pretty obvious in 0079, they're all kids, right? And Camille in Zeta, he's still childlike, but he doesn't quite feel like he's the same age Amuro was when he got into Gundam. I think also at the same time, like there is no like lower bound in this of ages. Like in in the when I say lower bound, I'm talking about like in in 79 there were um uh cats uh the the cats three kids, Let's. yeah, yes, thank you, cats Keats, and Let's who are like. The, 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 you know, Amaro and, um, everyone, like Mirai and all those characters, these are like, these are young people. These are like, chi- these are children, but like, they are being juxtaposed against children, children, like, like five, six yeah. year old children. And so I think that makes them feel a little bit older. But here, like, the youngest that we have is like not that much younger than these kids. Like, certainly there is a younger group of people. We see, like, in the OP, even we see some kids, but like, like, Atra, to name Atra or uh, Danji, to name a couple of you know those slightly younger characters mm-hmm. that we see, are not really that young. Like Cookie, Cookie and Cracker, even like they are definitely the youngest people we've seen in the show. But like the way to which they pitch in does not make them feel quite as young as the way Katz, Let's, and um, yes, uh, I keep and, and her Kika, name. Kika, yes, the way that they really feel like they are not participating; they are simply there as like something to be protected. Whereas these other these kids are very much like in the shit of it. When I was watching 79, there was really not a part where I was worried that like, despite the amount of mortality that was happening around them, there was never really a point that I was worried uh, Katz, Kika, or Let's were going to die. Yeah. I cannot say the same about like the young characters that I was, like the first character who we see get, well, not the first character we see die, but like the first name character we see die is... Uh, is Donji is Donji who's like a, who looks like 12 13 if I, 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 I want to say the lower bound of these characters is like 11 12 yeah I would yeah if if Cookie and Cracker were single digits that would not surprise me but like very like close to that yeah yeah it, it's like it, it the, the, clearly the shows I mean the name itself iron-blooded orphans right that's a lot of scary words and the show episode one out the gate it shows you it's not afraid to like you know show people dying kill a, because kill a like kid. yeah and like donji dies not even in like the, the regular gundam way of like oh he blew up in his mobile suit no he gets like his mobile worker gets just fucking kicked by a grave right. and it's just like a obl- like shattered and obliterated and it's just like there's no ceremony to it it's just like oh fuck bye like yeah. the the show is real and again it's like <laughs> japanese tv ratings board i thought this was a kid show no <laughs> not so yeah yeah it's it's heavy it gets you it really is um let me, let me, let's I'm scanning see. over my notes. I took way too many notes for this. Yeah, no. Um, um I mean, we can, I, we can honestly, talk. I f- we can talk about some of the other characters who we saw who were not part of the. We can definitely come back to CGS uh, eventually, but um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the other characters that we met. Um, mm. So the other major characters that we met, I don't think we got names for couple of a couple of them later um in the episode. I, I, I can give you the names if you don't have them. Yeah, okay. Because because the, the the names I'm going with are we meet two. Um, Gellerhorn, uh, like inspectors, pe- part part of the inspector division, and my in yes. my notes they are just they are Garma and Kai Kiesk from Guilty Gear. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. That's the exact same hair, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and we also meet the, the, the general who's got, like, the, the, the fade, who's, like, the one who, like, passes the instructions along to uh, the three guys he sends out in mobile suits, gr- grazes. Uh, he sends the, he gives the instructions to uh, Ein, uh, Orlo... Orlis. And, Orlis and Crank. This, this motherfucker named Crank. It's Crank. Um, His name is Crank Zent. We don't get much of these characters in these episodes. Um, all we get really, well, we the the do do we have a name for that general who like was the one who sent the who sent the Gellerhorn attack on? Uh, he's General Coral. General um, Coral. Okay. He he's around for a while because again he's so he's in like this Gellerhorn base named Ares that's kind of like chilling. It's like sitting. It, it's like a almost like an orbital station. It's yeah. a sort of way station. We get uh, exposition why it's there in the first place. It's like because Gellerhorn is is essentially this whole like military peacekeeping organization. Um, it very much is like not uh, pacifism by force, but <laughs> I wonder if there's any themes about the fact that it's a military peacekeeping organization. Sarah, if you think Gundam has themes, you're sorely mistaken. Yeah, they're for eighth grade book reports, I'm told. <laughs> um, yeah, the, but the the main characters, like honestly, in these episodes, it's the main three are are Orlis, Ein, and Crank, but like. Megillus Farid is the blonde, is Kai Kisuke, okay. and uh, Guy- Galio Baldwin is uh, Garma. Garma, gotcha. And um, g- g- like, keep an, what, keep an what, eye on this spot, let's say. What, what was the, the Kai Kisuke's, what was the Kai Kisuke's name again? His name is uh, Megillus Farid. So Megillus, like, literally says out loud when we, the, in the scene where we meet him, like, um, uh, uh, like the, he refers to Gellerhorn as keepers of the world order, and also he like says that the current economy on Earth requires Mars to keep contributing. The line needs to go up. Yes, number go up, please. Number go up. Please, um, another go up. An, an interesting bit of world building here. So Gellerhorn is this sort of intermediary blanket organization governing like peace between Earth and Mars. Mm-hmm. Whereas Earth is essentially to the point it's so far in the future there are four main economic blocks yep. that are controlling all of Earth and Mars. Uh, our brow is one of them. Our brow is where Crise, the territory, is like situated within. We get all this exposition of like you know all the strain that Earth puts on Mars because yeah, Mars is like a largely untapped planet that has so many more like natural mineral resources to bring to Earth, which is like the reason why Kudelia is traveling to Earth to negotiate for like independence because it's it is a show about colonization. Mm-hmm. The allegory it uses isn't really like it's not as racially charged as colonization is in real life. It's it's one of those things where it's like fraught no matter what way you try and tackle it. But, you know, it, this very much is one of the main themes of the show of like, you know, independence, finding your place, being free of exploitation, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, and this is obviously something that we're going to be able to explore as we go along with the show. But this is like one of the main themes to uh, keep in back of your mind. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm putting it back there. Yeah. Um. What what else is there? So. You know, we're on Mars. The, the Gundam's there. We, yep. we sort of, like, see the kids going about their days. Oh, uh, there like, was something that I wanted mm. to talk about that I wasn't exactly clear about. Um, So, yes. Coral, um, after his meeting with Norman, who has sold his mm-hmm. daughter up the river, who has sold his daughter, Ina, up the river to uh, get her killed, Norman seems to be going there with the with the purpose of, st- is of like, cutting the head off the Hydra, of cutting the head off of the uh, Mars... Like rebellion thing, the the yeah, cries. So, are, but then, but then when Coral like goes away, he's like, like he has an internal monologue about like basically like the the gist of the internal monologue is that he is intending to martyr this girl. 
Yes, this is something I, I'm a little unclear on still. This is me not remembering everything from when I first saw the yeah. show. Because... I'm sure, I'm sure, it will, I'm sure it will become clear because. Um, but the thing is that Coral makes reference to the word. Uh, he makes reference to noblest, which I inter- which I assumed was like some other governing body, but it turns out like noblest is just like a guy. It's just a, it's a dude who has a, a who has like fuck like, off fuck, money. Like it's Scrooge, Mc, like the fucking Scrooge McDuck. And so yes. it is my interpretation. My interpretation of this was that. Coral is like he is this is a cash cow for him and mm-hmm. like he is so excited to take this mission on because he knows it will make tensions worse and make Gallarhorn even more necessary is because I I when I first watched it I interpreted I interpreted Gallarhorn as like a a an arm of earth which I'm sure like I I'm sure that that will not I'm sure that that will come up at some variety like who they really answer to at the end of the day but I guess I was just a little bit confused about all of that <laughs> It, no, yeah, so, um, from what I remember, Gallarhorn has, like, different branches. There's mm-hmm. the Earth branch and the Mars branch. And I want to say he's trying to get Ina killed. Well, I mean, he's trying to get Ina killed, A, because her dad wants to get her killed. Yes. Um, but also, by doing that, he can effectively stoke the fires of revolution and unrest on Mars, which will allow Gallarhorn Mars to crack down even more, which will, I think, like, curry them favor because they were able to put down all of this unrest to show, like, gotcha. oh, yeah, Gallarhorn Mars really can foot, you know, put the fucking pedal to the grindstone when the time comes to it. Mm-hmm. It, so, so it's like even within Galhorn itself, there's like factions and different sides to take. Yeah, and like we're 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 not going to see. I don't. I honestly do not remember if we even like deal with Galhorn Earth much until like a pretty good amount into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's one of those things that obviously will get expanded on uh, as we talk about it. But yeah, it, it's interesting. Galhorn is a very cool organization and is really different from say your Principality of Zeon. Yeah. In that they their goals are different because they've already kind like they've achieved peace with a billion asterisks behind it sure right. because there was this thing called the calamity war and they stopped that which is why they're kind of in charge now but it's at the point where like things are the unrest is bubbling up once again and right. like they they're the ones who like it a lot of you know again all, all I'm saying is like Yellowhorn is a very important faction in this show as one could assume because they have mobile suits yeah yeah, it's it's like compared to what the prince the principality of Zeon in 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 seventy nine. I mean, obviously, like the the analog that the show draws is like Nazis. Um, like they are very much like a a, a an expanding governing body. Whereas the vibe I get from Gellerhorn is like more space cop than anything. Yeah, like yeah, they, like it, the, especially hmm. this really plays into that where it's like well. If if um if co- cops need you know to make the to foster you know worse relations more tension so that they can get out there get their big money and get get their money and you know fucking crack down on people so that they can get more money and just continue to build a reason build their own reason for existence kind of yeah and and like the, the, you will see more of that as it goes on but yeah you you've kind of like hit the nail on the head with like how Gallowhorn presents itself early on in the show it very much is like. We gotta cause shit to make sure that we still have a place to prevent shit from right. being caused by us. They, they played like um, an Ouroboros. They played Twisted Metal three and got the ending where the the police, the two <laughs> cops, wished for a world without crime and they didn't have jobs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of jobs, we, we learn eventually CGS, which is Crease Guard Security, I believe. Yes. Um, they are the ones who are tasked with this sort of like sham mission to transport Kudelia to Earth. CGS stands um, for Computer Games. <laughs> it's 
computer game software. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, like, Kudelia goes to CGS to meet with the boys, and, like, it's really... The show's, like, playing its hand early in that the adults at CGS are barely there. It's like everything is the interactions Kudeli has with all the kids. I mean, right. it's not called... Uh, yeah, it's not... The show's not called Iron-Blooded Adult People, right? Right, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And also, like, the... It's, like... I don't know. I feel like when... What I saw of... What was that guy in Zeta who, like, just smacked the shit out of Camille? When the, was it, like, Mr. Lee or something? Oh, fuck. That was, um... That was Wong. Wong, yes. Thank you. Um, fuck that guy. I feel like in Wong's, like, first couple of appearances, he was, like... He wasn't, like, a good guy, but, like, he he was not like that. And then him, like, hitting Camille... Like, I, I could be completely talking out of my ass, and it could he could have just, like, first time on the screen, just, like, bat smacked Camille. Um, but in my recollection, like, I feel like he was not as immediately an evil guy. Like, these guys, even in their looks, like, are very clearly, like... Yeah! Like, there's the one guy who's got, like, the, the beer gut, which is, you know, thanks, like, great. Love the, sh- love the visual shorthand guys. He's also got a really unfortunate mustache. Yeah. Um, I, I regret to say Toto is a decently important character. Yeah, okay. Well, that's... He seems like he might suck in a fun way. Based, he, but like, there's also like, there's also yeah. like, there's also like a blonde guy with like really huge like buck teeth and like just a lot of visual shorthand of like these guys are ugly and therefore evil. Yeah, like it's it's you you they didn't need to, to go that far because again they're clearly the like asshole adults fr- who well, love being in charge. Literally, the first thing you see Toto, the guy with the beer gut and the bad mustache, do like he hits a kid. That's the first thing you see. It's yeah. his introduction is smacking uh uh Takako. Was that the name? Takaki. Uh, Takaki. Takaki. Yeah. Like, the very first time you see him. Like, there is very... You don't need the shorthand, guys. You've already got the... You're already and, showing and it to like, me. it's like... He's so, like, sniveling and conniving, too. Mm-hmm. And it... We'll see later on. He, he sticks around, but it's just like... God, I wish he didn't look like that. Yeah, I... Like, please, someone, like, shave the mustache. And, and, and like, the, it's a thing because... Iron-Blooded Orphans has, like, they have a, a wide variety of, like, different skin tones and body types. Yeah. So you think they're being progressive in one sense, and then you look at the guy who has the fucking Charlie Chaplin mustache and a beer gut and is, like, a complete fucking, like, Weasley tool, and it's like, we didn't need this. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess maybe it, maybe I'd be giving the show too much credit at this point to go this far, but maybe that could be on purpose in some capacity. Like, like, not the visual shorthand of, like, these characters are ugly, they have buck teeth, Charlie Chaplin mustache, they're fat, they're ugly, we hate them. But, like, the lack of such diversity, I think, could have been on purpose to some extent. Like, like the thematically, like, okay, well, these guys, like, because the assumption that I took, and I could be, this could be completely proven wrong, but what I got from this is that, like, the first division guys were, at one point, the third division guys. Like, they were, they had come up through these ranks, but that might be, compl- actually, now that I think about it, that doesn't make any sense. They would have a lot more, they would have a lot more sympathy for the kids that they were grinding under their boot if that was the case. Uh-huh. Anyways. Yeah, it's like, it's just, the, the the point is, like, the show clearly isn't worried about making any of the adults likable, to a fault. But again, the adults aren't likable. There, like, they kind of like, I have met one likable adult, and that was um, uh, Fumitan. Oh, God, Fumitan. Sarah, Fumitan fucking rules. Fumitan is, um, um, uh, Fumitan is Ina's, uh, like, her kind of bodyguard i i'm assuming like bodyguard assistant she's like her sort of like she's her right hand essentially yeah yeah Uh, she rules she has a cool dress cool she's like she's like a she's like a like a mid 20 mid late 20s ish woman 
I would yeah. guess. Um, yeah, she. I like her a lot. So something like that. Yeah, the, the, the thing, the weird thing is with IBO, there are no canonical ages of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can only guess. By the way, um, you said you thought Atra was young. Atra is Mikazuki's age. Really? Just small? It, it, j- she's just very small. And again, Mikazuki is small, too. <laughs> he's a little guy. He's such a little guy. He's so he, He's simply tiny like, with it. Scene, I love it. The scene him. in episode two when, like, he walks past the truck that Atra is standing in front of, and they're both, like, vi- they're both, like, a, f- a whole head shorter than, like, the, the, um, yeah, the front of the so truck. Yeah, it's so nice. <laughs> so cute. They're so Dude, little. They, they, they're simply small with it. Um, I know like, that you want to talk about. I just imagine Mikazuki with like his jacket buttoned up and like walking like the kid from a Christmas story. Yeah, he's like just trying to trundling around, <laughs> like arms out to his side because he can't put him down. Yes, yes. Um, I know you wanted to talk about the scene where Kudelia tries to introduce herself to Mikazuki, and he's yes. like, "Oh, hands fucked up. Sorry." Yep, because um, so the, the scene that happens is like um, uh, Kudelia gets herself introduced to the boys. She meets, uh, I think, uh, Orga, Mikazuki. Orga, Eugene, and Bis- Biscuit. Yeah, Biscuit and... I think Mikazuki. Akihiro might be there, too. No, sure. it's, it's weird because um, Orga says, like, he refers to five people, but there's only four that we see. Um, hmm. At least that I could see. I could only see, you know, Eugene, Biscuit, Orga, and Mikazuki. But I digress. Um, uh, Kudelia, like, walks up to one of them and just, like, picks Mikazuki out of the lineup, just seemingly at random, and, like, tr- offers to shake his hand... And is like, hey, please show me around. And, you know, extends her hand for the handshake. And Mikazuki yeah. just, like, turns and walks away. He just goes. Um, there's something else that happens in between this, that, and the next scene I'm about to talk about. But I digress. Um, yep. the, the next scene that we have with them is Mikazuki just, like, walking down the hall and just, like, you know, being like, that's that. There's the, we have our. Yeah, so it's like a have, whirlwind tour. Yeah, we got the, we got the lunches over there. We got an Ahab reactor. We got this, that. And, we and, we like, have an Acab reactor. <laughs> this is why we hate Gellerhorn. <laughs> um, but uh, Cordelia is having a hard time keeping up with her high with her high heels, uh, and uh-huh. she uh, she walks up to him and is like, "Wait, no, I wanted a handshake." She like sticks her hand out and then takes her like dainty white glove off and like sticks her hand out in a really cute way, and uh, mm-hmm. she begins being like, "Oh, well, I, I want to be on your level. It's it's you know, I, you can shake my hand." And then he's like, "I didn't want to shake your hand because I had oil on it, but I guess yeah. that's like." That's already a divider between us, huh? You would you would never have. <laughs> he's eating cereal very calmly, knowing that he will not have to spit it out and saying you will never have oil on your hands. Yeah, it like I, I, the exact line he says in the dub is, "Oh well, I guess that means the two of us weren't on equal terms to begin with." Yeah, that's more or less like, what he says in the sub. And and they not only Mikazuki, but like all of the kids are. I, I say kids, you know, all of the third unit, I guess, are mm-hmm. like just really wary of Kudele. They don't really care for her. And like a lot of them are beginning to suspect that like, it's like, this is this whole situation is a really bad idea. Something bad is going to happen. So it's like, they're trying to avoid her and like, you know, they don't, it's like bad luck almost that like being around her, it seems. Right. And, but she's nice. She's, she's nice. Um, I, I fucking, I love her. She's just the face that she makes when she takes off her glove and extends her hand for Mikazuki is just so fucking cute. Um, she's a really good face later on too. Another yeah. episode, uh, apex of des- like to me, to me, the two apexes of character design are witch that sucks and character uh-huh. who has a bunch of hearts all over them. This is why um, th- neither of these characters, no one, neither of these characters, witch who sucks. I'm putting aside. I'm sure there'll be a witch who sucks in this. Uh, not not an actual witch in Gundam, but like of the vibes of a witch that sucks. Um, oh my god, I am nodding so hard. <laughs> Uh, for for and uh, for for additional reading on uh, witches that suck, I would recommend looking at uh, the Owl House and the second season of Re Zero. Um, mm-hmm. 
But the second one is, uh, this is why Aina and Higashikata Josuke are the best character designs that ever existed. Because all yeah. their design is hard. It's like, every time Aina is like, every time Aina has her hair down, it's like making a big old heart. And then there's a heart on the inside of like negative space. Yeah, I love her. Her hair is so fucking sick. Yeah. Uh, also, other 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 characters with heart motifs is uh, Kokoro from uh, Sleepless Domain webcomic. I mean, her name True. is literally, I mean, that, that's name's just, literally that, heart, that, right? Like, yeah, na- name just means heart. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, whatever, they're, they're chilling, it's like nighttime, and eventually, they get attacked at, at the CGS base, it's like, one of the kids even mentions, like, wow, they much, whoever's attacking them must be really rich because of yes. all the ammo they're using. Yep. Um, there was a, th- there was a thing, a scene during this, like, assault on the CGS base that really confused me, and it might have just been, like, the sub-translation, at least on Crunchyroll, is not It's a bit very weird, good. isn't it? Like, it, it feels like there's a lack of character voice to, like, in, in these decisions, like, and by, by character voice, I mean, like, the voice actors themselves are doing great, like, I love them, like, particularly Orgas, for example, is, like, a really, really strong voice, um, but... The way that, like, it's all, it's as if the same character is talking no matter what line Yeah, there's, there's not really personality coming through right. for like, anyone. Like, I don't know, like, he, like, I, there's a, like, hold on, let me, let me see if I can find this, uh, no. Like, I, I know, I, just, I know what you're talking about, though, when they're talking about the mobile this. workers. Yeah, um, uh, like, like, Orga refers to, uh, uh, Orga refers to Maruda, who is, like, the big, the big stogie, the big, like, you know, doink-smoking CEO of CGS. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm walking here. Yeah, he refers to him as quite a scum later in, later on, and, like, like, even setting aside, like, the, the translation error of quite a scum, like, where it should have been, like, uh-huh. quite a scummy person or something, like, yeah. Orga, like, that just seems like a way of talking that Orga would not do? I don't no, know. Like, Orga would like, call him a piece of shit. Yeah, Orga would not say he's quite a scummy guy. Like, it's it's yeah. very... Tr- I, I, remember, I remember there were some people on the server complaining on this, uh, complaining about this, so I was on high alert for it, but, like, there's a real transliteration going on here that is just, like, really yeah. not doing the character's voice justice. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm with you, and it honestly, uh, the dub is quite good like for, if, in that regard. If anyone has a lead on a better sub than the one that's available on Crunchyroll, do let me know. Because mm-hmm. if not, and if it keeps being like this, I might like jump to the dub. Which is like, yeah. I can't think of the last time I watched a dub of anything. So, you know, I, I, I genuinely don't think I've watched a dub of... An- no, you know what it was? It was Evangelion. That was the last dub I watched. Mm, and that's a pretty good one, too. Yeah, that dub is great. So they're they're all fighting, and yep. you know pe- people are people are saying things in their character voices, of course, uh, <laughs> and they kind of realize that the first group, the adults, are all like retreating on the other side of the battle. So so uh, for reference, for those who haven't seen it, CGS is kind of like on a hill within a valley, so it's like it's like elevated terrain. So the boys are kind of fighting downhill towards where Gallarhorn is approaching, and adults are retreating like off to like I'd say like a third of the way around the hill down the other side. Mm-hmm. So they're like sort of out of sight. So the the um they they had this plan, and because because at this point you know uh, the third unit had kind of realized that this is all a trap that they were kind of being set up. Yeah. So what they did is they essentially set flares rigged on the vehicles that the uh, the adults were all escaping in to fire and draw attention and i laughed my fucking ass off at this scene because i don't know what it was like in the dub or in the sub but in the dub orga turns to biscuit and says time for us to change the game and biscuit literally says so true 
And I'm like, so true, bestie. So true, and he's bestie. fucking at, fires the flares, and Gjallarhorn immediately like d- does like the like the fucking Metal Gear, and like like half of them like retreat over to the side yeah. and like kick the adults' ass. Yeah. It's great. It's really good. Oh. And then we even see that they're running into the landmines that the boys had been burying at the very yeah, beginning the, of the episode. It's, the, the, it's Chekhov's landmine. That, that scene made me laugh really hard because the um like uh Takaki and Danji are burying the landmines and they're like, oh man, these landmine burial drills are are brutal. And then some other character walks by who's some of the unnamed character was like, Yeah, they're just having a laugh with us. They're, the next day tomorrow is landmine removal drills. Yeah, it's great. And it's like, oh, hey, they did it for us. Wonderful. How yeah, nice. Lucky that, like, very lucky that this came on the day that they did landmine placement and not landmine removal drills. Exactly. <laughs> um, Before the mobile suits show up, though, we get to... We, we talk about, about a lot about mobile workers, which yes. are these really cool... They remind me, and you might agree with me here, Sarah, they're, they're giving me Tachikoma vibes from Ghost in the Shell. Tachikoma. Quite a it's, bit. It's, I've seen Ghost in the Shell. It's been a minute. Tachikoma, it's like the sort of like wheelie spider tank thing. Yes, um, you know what it made me think of? Um, those fucking those like the things that are like, the bionicles that like turned into like balls or something. The Borok! Yes! Yeah, fuck yeah! The bionicle. They're these really cool, they're like these boxy, like they like they're they look almost like takeout containers on wheels. <laughs> yes! They're yes. like rice cookers on wheels. They're very silly looking, but, you know, they have guns, they have wheels, they scoot around quite fast. Like, we see Mika and Akihiro, like, beating ass, just, like, spinning these things around, firing like crazy, and they're, like, ace pilots on them, basically. But, like, Yallerhorns are clearly much nicer, like, the, the can- they have these, like, cannons with matching paint jobs, it's, like, dark red with the sort of Yallerhorn sigil on the yeah. side, and, like, this is the sort of main, like mechanized infantry unit yeah. that's like the step below an actual mobile suit and it's cool that like the show doesn't go straight from people on the ground to a 15 meter tall death robot right and I think it's this, nice I think having this, that intermediary yeah and this really definitely opens up like other people in the show to be players and i think this is going to also lead to a lot more play people in the show fucking dying because like like barring a special like like jumping back to 79 because again that's my only point of reference for this um uh-huh. like if 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 a big scary thing is happening like the only people in really immediate danger are the pilots and i mean like white base is still in danger but the only way like any specific one person on white base dies is if everybody on white base dies pretty much exactly like like and so the only people in experiencing individual risk are the people who are out there in the mobile suits like you know uh amaro and hayato and um you know like you know lala and char and all these people and so the, the whole exception apparently being Kaisilian. Uh, you, you know you're not you're not safe when fucking Char Asimov's rocketing around the bazooka. Right. No one's safe. He's, he's fucking he's fucking TF2 rocket jumping around. Yeah, he plays the <laughs> God. He's the soldier. Um, but um, he's the so- like the mobile workers really like oh op- like one of the things that I had a problem with with seventy nine is that like and this is not like inherently a bad thing about it. This is just a personal preference thing. Like. I much prefer like a a a team sentai show to a one to like a a yeah, absolutely. A, uh, a um fucking a common writer. And I like common writer. I've I've enjoyed what I've seen of um God, I'm completely blanking on the space one. The the one with Gintaro, common writer Forze. Um mm. But I really like the idea of other characters being able to get in these, like, get involved in these fights in ways that are not just like you know sitting on white base and like typing at something. Or something like that. And I I recognize that this is also going to open up a lot more characters to getting individually killed. Because, like, you know, 
Like in 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 seventy nine, Donji would not have died except as like part of a mass casualty event, like the thing, like the like what like what killed right. Fa's parents in episode one. Uh, the Fa was her name, right? No, Fa was in Zeta. What was the the girl's name in Gun in seventy nine? Oh, Fraubo. Fraubo. Thank you. Yeah, like when her parents get exploded when that cliff collapses in in episode one of Gundam. Mm-hmm. Like in seventy nine, Donji would not have had a way to die like this unless he was like you know Kai's girlfriend that got bumped off a plane. Exactly. Um, but. I, yeah, I'm just I, I like these things a lot. This is is this, this mm-hmm. the, these are like basically a new addition to the to 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 Gundam, like these mobile workers. Uh, th- well, there's like petite mobiles we see in Zeta and Double Zeta that sure. don't really quite do this job. But like the as far as from the Gundam I've seen, at least the Gundam I'm familiar with, these are a very unique case in that this is like th- this is the main mechanized infantry unit that you see a lot throughout the entire show because not. We can't build a ton of mobile suits. That's just expensive. But mm-hmm. we can build a bunch of little boxes on wheels with guns strapped to right. it. Right. We can't. It, Death Star is expensive. Droideka is cheap. Hey, oh, we love the Droideka here. I'm a huge Droideka is one of my favorite, definitely one of my favorite parts of the prequels, and I'm a prequels enjoyer. <laughs> oh yeah, you and me both. <laughs> um. So again, uh, mo- mobile worker uh doesn't really stand up to like the swift kick of a graze no. because these these are our zakus effectively yeah the grazes yeah the eb06 graze and the name itself the name itself was a reference to zaku because the zaku model number is ms06 mm. so ms06 eb06 i posted an image of the graze in our uh scheduling chat as a sort of reference, it has like almost that same Zaku color, just like a little bit of darker green. It's a very pleasing drab green. Very um, long legs on this. And the heel? Who is you, she? Oh, the heels are so good. And the, what's so fucking sick about the grazes. So you look at the head and the head is like this sort of like, it looks like a stapler almost. It kind of swishes forward mm-hmm. in this like tall rectangular uh, uh, mono crimson, eye. It's the fucking, but, it's, a sta- it's the crimson chin stapler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But the head opens up for an actual... Mo- it's like a fucking Zelda boss on the inside. It's yeah. this really cool, like, actual, like, sphere eye. The grazes are so sick. I love them. They are such a cool grunt suit. Mm-hmm. And, like, we get to see all sorts of weird fucked up grazes over time in the show. It's just, like, you know, it's like the Zaku is, like, iterated upon in 0079 to get, like, you get the goof out of it. And you get yeah. the Gilgook eventually. And the grazes is a very cool base for what they'll be throwing at you later on. Yeah, they, I, I like this. They're going to be, you know, th- this is a great, yeah, you're, yeah, a great base. Yeah. Um much and and much like how uh, a mobile worker is not a match for the Grace. The Grace is not a Gundam, but we do have a Gundam. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, Donji the character we mentioned earlier gets uh he's like, "Oh, you can't shoot the base. That's where my friends are." And he like drives right into the mobile yeah, suit kicking f- his foolishly fucking... <laughs> charges forward by Donji. This is the second time he foolishly charges forward and get, like the first time he foolishly charged forward, he got his ass saved by Mikazuki in a in a mobile suit cuz like he was like Oh, I gotta be on the front lines to be the hero of this war. He's got yeah. he's got his protagonist syndrome, and it's like, exactly. dude, like, just think about where the camera has been for the last twenty minutes. Like, has it been on yeah, you? Yeah, seriously. No, no, Donji. You don't. I don't think you have an out last name, Donji. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so yeah, like this, this these monstrous suits and the oh shit, we can't even fight that. Like, mobile worker can't really take down a mobile suit. If you have a bunch, you can chip away at it and eventually take it down. But like when it's one jetting around, like kicking suits, like kicking mobile workers away, right. there's not much you can and do. Orlis is like engaging in this with like Orlis, the guy piloting the Grays that just killed yes. Donji and is going ape shit on the CGS base. Like he is engaging in this with like a, a childlike glee. He is just like it, it's he's it's like freaky. <laughs> 
it's like he's he's basically he's like smurfing he's like you know he's he made a fresh overwatch okay he's tired of being an overwatch like top rank yeah and he's like okay i want to just go back to when it was fun i could just beat the shit out of people and he's just like exactly solo carrying 1v6 the entire lobby just like you know perfect six man dead eyes every single time yeah and Crank hates this too. So for some context, if I remember correctly, Orlis used to be Crank's like sort of student. Yes. Um, and Orlis was put in charge of this operation. So Crank, who's like the older veteran, has to like be on the sidelines. And he's so mad. He's telling Ayn like, don't bother. Like Orlis is going ahead and he's telling Orlis to stop because like he knows that the kids can't really fight back. But Orlis just wants to kill. He's having a great time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's fucked up to see. Because again, it very much is an ACAB type situation where Galarhorn is this whole space cop organization that can act largely with impunity. Um, right. And what we see is Eugene and Orca, like, they ride their sort of mobile worker command. Like, they, they're, you know, zipping it around. Like, hey, come get me, come get me. You can't catch me. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Um, they stop in front of a hangar. And Orca calls out to Mikazuki. And then it plays the main theme of the show, that really sick, like, or- orchestral with the Spanish yeah. guitar in the background. As Mikazuki August pulls out the biggest fucking battle mace you've ever seen and just brains this mobile suit absolutely craters oh hit. it's like, so good the, the way we were talking about this in the server and like the way that like this thing crumples in a way that like 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 79 this thing gets cut in half by a beam saber or something yeah. or like you know lasered through or whatever mm-hmm. like this thing this sword does not break through the exterior of this graze that orlis is piloting it just like it just flattens it it it's so sick and like we see the gundam this is the main this is barbatos we don't get the name until next episode mm-hmm. um and i have a fun bit of trivia later on but like this thing is such a cool redesign of like the classic gundam mm-hmm. it is so different it's like scary it's demonic it's sharp and angular and angry looking and like it's like you can tell there is this very well designed metal frame underneath the weirder white you know, tricolor red, yellow, blue armor bits on uh-huh. it. It's, it's, oh, it's so fucking cool. It's, I love this gun. It's, yeah, it's fucking incredible. One of the favorite, one of my favorite little details about this first episode is the way this episode ends, which is, like, Mikazuki, like, we get a shot of him in the cockpit, um, shirtless, as everyone has to be when piloting these things. Yeah, because you got the alive manana. Yeah, the alive manana uh, on your back. And <laughs> the, um, the, sorry. We get like a he's bleeding from we found out yes. he's, he's bleeding he's had he got a nosebleed when he like mental linked with the with the Gundam, but it's really cool because we we only from the way from the angle that we see it we see the side of his face with the nostril that did not bleed so all we see is his like red his red stained chin like dripping with blood and then we cut to the exterior of the Gundam and we see that same red chin on the Gundam it's on the mobile suit itself which I think yeah that was just really cool I thought that was nifty. It's a- it's it's a very cool like because you know the, the very first Gundam had that red chin so now like showing that the character inside has the red chin because blood's dripping down yeah. his face is like ah look at that yeah it's, uh, the Venn diagram's a circle here yeah I'm just scrolling through my and, notes real quick of this first episode before we go on to the next yeah yeah thing. if there's anything else you wanted to bring up um just about the um the the, the fact that all these characters have these hedgehog looking spines on their back like the Matrix ports um there was a that we taught that we learn more about the surgery for it in the next two episodes but. It's. Mm. I do want to note that Orga took that surgery with no anesthetic. Yeah, Orga kind of a fucking badass about it. Like, shit, dude. God, and like because he's like, you didn't. I forget who he was talking to, but the person asked him like, you didn't oh, cry, and he's like, it was the the mechanic, the um the older mechanic. Yeah, it was with the, um with the stogie. Uh, Yuki Nojo is the mechanic's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But he, and he's like, you didn't cry. And Orga's like, they would have hit me if I cried either way. So it's like, you know, they hit him because he was being a smart ass and not crying. But either way, they would like, it's very bleak for these poor kids, yeah. I think. The other thing I yeah. wanted to note was the, um, we, when we see, we see the cries autonomous region, like the protests and rebel, like, uh, uh, rebelling yeah. against the earth government. Um, I just really laughed at the, uh, the fucking, the, the bikini girls with the free bikini Mars protesters. Right like the, who is the, I, what is the IBO era version of the Obama girl? <laughs> I, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a sort of ineffectual liberal politician in Iron-Blooded Orphans world. I suspect we'll get there as yeah. we watch more of the show. And um, the, the last thing that I wanted to note was just that um, I really like Atra. We, we barely see her in this episode. She We just like see her like leave her shop with a little boondoggle that she's making. And she's like, her hair is so exceptionally anime girl. Like she basically has like cat ears built into the side of her head by her. She the way really her does. Hair is. It's so cute. She's so I love adorable. Atra. She she she's so small. She's so sweet. Yeah. Stan Atra. Yep. Uh and I guess that will probably bring us in episode two. Yeah, so episode two. So the episode two starts off. We see Barbados cratering that graze again, and yeah. but then right after that, uh, we jump back to about what happened about five minutes before the episode, the last episode ended. Because what happened at the last, the end of the last episode was Orga looked at Mika and was like, "Hey, this is what you should do next." And then we just the next time we see Mika is in the Gundam. So what happened is that you know he was we we see him like going down into the into the bay to get strapped into Barbados and we find out that the system that they use to connect pilots to their mobile workers can also be used to connect to this big motherfucker. We also find out from Ina who followed Biscuit and is there observing that the Alaya Vijnana is an extremely dangerous and inhumane technology that can only be used on children who haven't finished growing yet. We also get the OP which fucking bangs. Um, Barbados beats the absolute tar out of the remaining grazes, but his thrusters run out of gas, and when this happens, Crank and Ein, the two remaining graze pilots, take the opportunity to beat Cheeks. Uh, Coral is very upset about this info because he wanted to martyr Ina to keep the noblest funds coming. Uh, a bunch of people are sad about Donji dying. Uh, Atra, the girl from the store in the first episode, arrives, and we find out that the two girls who stopped her on her way are Biscuit's sisters, Cookie and Cracker. Ina experiences a small crisis about all the people who died on her behalf, and also pieces together that her dad, Norman, sold her up the river. Aina has some experiences with Mikazuki that leave her a bit flustered about war and themes and how to interact with him. The first division beats the shit out of Orga for the stun he pulled with the flare with their flares last episode, and the third division, tired of beating, to sh tired of being beaten to shit by the adults, decides to stage a coup. Crank sets off on a solo mission to finish the job on at CGS or die trying, and head back out heads back out to Mars. Orga and Mika have a small conversation, ending with Orga handing Mika the gun and Mika immediately saying, "Yeah, who do I need to shoot?" The episode closes with with uh, general, with Coral getting boarded by uh, the the what were their names Garma and Kai? Um, yeah, yeah, Garma and Kai. Yeah, Garma and Kai, who inform him that it's inspection <laughs> time. Yay! This is whew, it's just it's just it just keeps going. I really like how because you know the first episode ends with like Barbatos just bursting out and beating ass, and then we get to see and it's like you know record scratch. Yeah, that's me. You're probably wondering how we <laughs> yeah. got to here. <laughs> And it goes a mere five minutes before. Um, and yeah, so the Alaya Vinyana system, this is the equivalent of new types, as in like the thing that some characters can do to make them a much better pilot right. than they, most people can't. Right. They thought they they said, okay, what if we took the things from Gundam Zeta and I'm assuming future Gundams were like, we made artificial new types. What if we did that, but like physically? Yeah, it's like, so it can only be done for kids. Uh, it's like the Evangelion thing of why we need children to pilot the mechs. Um, 
I presumably to have something to do with brain growth, nerves being built, and all that. Um, it is essentially a fucked up USB port installed in like the base of your neck, like where you're right. you know, between your neck and your spine. Um, right, like, but like, it, it, like it, it like protrudes out in a way that's really unsettling. Yeah. Like the, the the Matrix port was always fucked up to me to think about, but at least it was like flush with the back of my neck. Yeah, no, th- this is not. And we even see Mika has three of them. Yeah. Like, he did not do it just once. And I had to, like, I, I guess it makes you a better pilot if you have. Because, like, we see um, uh, people will put this, like, sort of, like, egg-shaped piece of metal on the back that I guess is, like, the intermediary between the Elia Vignana port and the, like, sort of plug in the seat. So, presumably, right. all three of those, Mika has a special one that all three go in to make him. And that's why he's the main ace pilot, right? Because he can pilot the best out of anyone. Yeah. Um, And Kudeli is like... This is fucked up. Are you guys like Wait, you're, you're okay you're with t- this? You're telling me our war is doing. Are you telling me that the that the government is using child child soldiers? What the fuck? Yeah, My, and Wiki- like she Wikipedia, even tells Mika. Wikipedia said that all of you were consenting adults. Yeah, <laughs> like she tells Mika, she's like, "Are you okay? Like throwing your life away?" And he's like, "Well, I'm protecting everyone else too." And she's like, "That's not what I fucking meant." Yeah, she also oh, she also God. says your cerebral nerves are in danger, and Mika's like, uh, "I don't know. I don't use them very much." <laughs> I'm I'm a dumbass for real. <laughs> He's just like me I mean, for hey, real. <laughs> we know he can't read because he gets in the cockpit and he doesn't know what it's saying. Yeah. Until somehow being by being plugged in, he knows its name is Barbatos. And here is my little bit of fun trivia, Sarah. Yeah. Barbatos is it's model number ASW-G-O8. Uh if you look at Solomon's lesser key, I'm not sure how familiar you are with demons and the like. Yeah, I'm Barbados, yes. Bar- Barbatos is the the number eight in that list. Um, would you believe there's more Gundams in this series? And would you believe they all have a name on that list? Oh, so we're, are, oh my god, are we gonna get bio? I will not confirm nor deny. I'm just looking at some of the. I'm just looking at some of these lists of names, and there's a lot of great names in here. Shacks. I, I want. I we're want... not getting. I can tell you, we're not getting Shacks. Ugh. How about how about Gre- uh. how about Gremory? Uh, yes, not in the anime though. Gremory <sighs> is from a side. Actually, I, I, I'm just gonna post this right now. Um, I'm building Gundam Gremory at the moment. Oh, uh, it doesn't show up. I just picked, it doesn't show up in the show. I at just all. picked that name out of the 72 demons in the Ars Goetia. Yeah, you you you, you rolled a 72 set of dice. This is Gremory. Uh, oh, it's fucking sick, fucking but we don't rules. see it. You're, we don't the see the best this guy? part. Is look at that. The best X. part is that weapon's not a scythe. It's an anchor that just has half of the yes, end snapped off. Yeah, that off. looks like a fish hook. Yes. Oh, that's It's so called the sick. battle anchor, I believe. That is I have fucking also, incredible. Yeah. Gremory is one of the Gundam frames. And theoretically, there, there existed at one point in time, 300 years ago, 72 of these motherfuckers. A lot of them are gone now, but every Gundam we see is one of 72 Gundam that's frames. That's really so th- fucking cool. That's what makes a Gundam a Gundam in this, in this show. It is the... Well, specifically... It's the twin Ahab reactors. Yeah. So the Ahab reactors themselves, we'll see it at some point, but like it's these two um, ring type things in the chest of the mobile suit that I guess spin and do science to make Gundam go. Yeah, sure. It's a, um, it's a you know, an arc core or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Call it whatever reactor. the fuck you want. It's, it's, the t- yeah. it's the thing that spins. It's the Ahab reactor. Yeah. Um, things I'm learning. Uh, the, 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 bar- the, the Latin origin of Barbados is Barbatus, which is bearded. Which, you know, it's got yes. a little chin strap. Got the little beard! Uh, I'm also liking to see this thing on Wikipedia. The, the in popular cultural. Uh, in the 2020 game Genshin Impact, Barbatos is the one, one of the names of the Anemo Archon and the god of the nation, Mondstadt. 
In the 2019 game Obey Me, one of the demons whom the players can interact with is named Barbados. And in the anime Gundam, there is a mobile suit. No, yep. this is just the, yep. the, the, the lack of specificity. Just saying, yeah, in Gundam, there's... <laughs> yeah, in Gundam. You know, you know Gundam. Gundam. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, he, he gets in Barbados. He kicks ass. Um, we get the opening, which is fucking yeah, really, raise, really good. Raise your, raise your flag, flag by Man on a Mission. Love to hear it. Fucking, um, I gotta look this up real quick. Man on a Mission did sound really familiar to me, and I'm just curious if they don't any other OPs. I I looked it up too. I couldn't recognize what else they were in. Again, my I have not seen nearly as much anime as you have, so I'm sure you could find something that I yeah, couldn't. Yeah. Um, um. Oh, they did. Um. Shit. Did they do log? Did they do? I think they did the Log Horizon OP. Um. Ah. Okay. Which is a yeah database. That's that mm. Log Horizon fucking goes. I need to finish that show, but um yeah. Database, uh, the gold, oh, Golden Kamui's first season, also, Man on a Mission, okay. Oh, okay. Um, Long, I will oh, say, God, Long fu- Winding Road fu- is so fucking good. That's, anyways, go on. Fu- future openings, I forget who did the second opening, but the third opening is Spire, and the fourth opening is Kanaboon, oh, so, like, we're getting some big names on this. Are you kidding me? Kanaboon and Spire? Uh-huh. What the fuck? The Spire opening is my favorite of the show. It's, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, 30 episodes ahead at this point, yeah. but, um. Sorry, I'm just looking at pictures. I'm just looking at the pictures of the band of Man on a Mission. It looks like their their thing is like they're the residents, but with wolf heads instead of eyeballs. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. I love it. Um, so let, let, what are what are some main um, things to talk about? Neve, here? Neve uh, girlfriend of the me, Neve is uh, mm-hmm. she's here for this week, just you know, visiting and hanging out. Hell yeah. Um, she just walked. She just walked past, and uh, she just texted me to say Barbados is derived from the same Latin root that gives us barber and Barbarossa. Which thank you, Neve. Oh, thank you, Neve. Fun fact. Fun fact. Um. So, so yeah, we we never really got to see the actual fight between um Barbatos and the other two Grazes, but turns out Yuki Nojo, in his haste to get Barbatos ready, he forgot to refuel the thrusters. Uh-oh. Oh, beans. classic mistake. Classic. Oh, classic blunder. Classic yeah. Mika blunder. like rockets backwards and just kind of like tumbles over because he you know loses thrust so he has to kind of like fight on foot i assumed that this meant that like mikazaki just could not fucking like the nothing on this thing would work but no it's just that he can't like move it he cannot jet around he can still like fucking run though because he kicks up a huge cloud of dust and like goes low and sprints in and like fucking uppercuts the one of the one of the other um one of the other Grazes. grazes yes thank you yeah um, um, he at one point throws the mace at Ein's grace yes. and like jumps up, grabs it, slams it down, like just completely snapping the arm off of the, the grace. Yes. It's, you love to see it's it. It's so good. Thank you for that fun fact, Neve. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, shouts and out, like she, eventually she, she's rocking the Roy Benui shirt. Shouts out Roy in front of the pod. Fuck yeah. Benui. Shout out Roy. Shout out Roy League. Shout out Pokemon. <laughs> shout out Pokemon. Um, <laughs> eventually uh crank and iron retreat because crank's like yeah this fucking sucks we got to get out of here yeah dude. but crank but crank is also like visibly shaken up when he realizes that he's fighting against child soldiers yes it's the voice he's like that ain't right uh-oh yeah he is i i would be i mean we don't know more about this character because of what happens in we have an episode uh-huh. three because because C- crank does not have a very long path no, in the show i'm just i just find myself like a little bit invested about like where did like what's this guy's history that's making like is it just a particular scruple of his that like he has that the other members of the of gallarhorn do not or is there like does he have a past that specifically is pushing him back i'm just curious i find myself interested about this about this character because no one else seems yeah. to give a shit. Like when he he when he reports that they were child soldiers to Coral, Coral is like, "So you got beaten by a bunch of fucking brats? What is your goddamn problem?" 
Yeah, I really don't know, because Crank is visibly older than pretty much every other Gjallarhorn member we've seen. Part of me wants to say, and this could just be me making a huge sort of extrapolating leap, but like, when Crank, maybe when Crank was younger in Gjallarhorn, there really wasn't any kind of like rebellion to quash or anything like that, so he didn't get to see combat, and maybe it's this like newer, younger generation of Gjallarhorn that's a little bit more like bloodthirsty or ready to like fight because they can tell it's coming, so maybe... Crank in his old ways doesn't want to, I mean, he wouldn't want to fight in the first place, but like we see he's very honorable about it, not like anyone else either. So it, it seems to me like maybe in this world, the old fashioned way is not wanting to fight child soldiers. You, you old fuddy duddy. Yeah, the, you got to get with the new shit. What the <laughs> Zoomers love to fight child soldiers now. God. God. Uh, um, fucking. Uh, I don't know, low-hanging fruit joke about, like, Biscuit, or Biscuit being on TikTok. I, I got nothing. Yeah, we get another, so th- the show is good at interjecting humor, too, because after the battle, you know, they're they're counting the wounded and the dead and everything, and at one point, a, a character who, this guy's name is Chad Chadden, I think. Chad Chadden? Double Chad. Uh, and I think that's him who gives um this guy Shino the last, like, remaining bit of Donji's Alaya Vinyana. Yeah. Um... Donji's really fucking sad, and he's like... Or, not Donji, the other wanted... guy. The, the, you said Donji, sorry. You said Donji. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, oh, my real story. Yeah, Shino. Shino, you know, because Shino was the one of the... Shino was the one who told Donji not to go in yeah. battle, and Donji died. And Shino's like, no, Donji wanted to die smothered between huge boobs. They're soft and not hard like this cockpit, which I have to admit, when I watched this episode... The first time I watched this episode, like, I immediately singled Donji out as, like, like most likely most likely 12-year-old to die in the entirety of CBS. Yeah. Like, very easy <laughs> to see where that was going. Um, uh-huh. But... I, and so I did not feel very much when he was kicked into smithereens, but I did actually feel a little bit about this, about him being like, no, you were supposed to be like Jean Havoc and die smothered in Bogongalongs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, God, if we could only be so lucky. <laughs> God. Oh, poor Donji, rest in peace. The human condition is to want to die like this. Keep an eye on Shino, too. He's, he's fucking, he's a funny guy. Shino is like the guy with, like, the buzz cut. He, he's the guy with, like, I think he has, like, the, um... Like the more military cut, he's like the orangish hair. I yeah, think yeah, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's Shino. Uh, she knows. She knows one of the more important boys. Okay. As you can he, tell he by his like, slightly yeah, more. Yeah, he kept showing up, and I think he was the one that I couldn't get a name for of like the main team three guys that were showing up. Honestly, they might not say it. This is me knowing his name mm-hmm. is Shino. Yeah. Uh, because again, it, they'll show characters and then name them later on, which is a fine way to introduce you to it. Yeah. But it, it's it's harder to take notes that way. Yeah. Um. So. Um, uh. D- d- Division one? That's that's not what I mean. What's the word I'm looking for? Sector, group not three? Sec- group, not group three, no. Like, the the first division. I guess first, first division. First division. Yeah. First division is the adults. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about here. Um, First division is, like, kind of distressed because they're like, well, shit, what do we do next? Marba took all the fuck, all the, he took the money and run. He took the money yeah. and ran. Uh, he listened to Steve Miller band and just fucking bolted. Um, <laughs> and they were like, oh, shit. Uh, ah, fuck. I really don't know what to do. Uh, let's, let's just grab what we can and get the fuck out of here. Um, yeah, it's they're, fucked up. They're wanting, they're wanting to get out. Um, we also meet, uh, fucking Biscuits, Siblings, Cookie, and Cracker. Cookie, and that's why I'm named Pop-Tart, Griffin, and Discord, <laughs> because I'm, I am one of the siblings now. <laughs> your, biscuit, your Biscuit's much older, brother. <laughs> Yeah, well, I maybe Biscuit has a brother in the show who's named after a French pastry. Who can possibly say? <laughs> Croissant. <laughs> my my name my name's Oreo Cracker, and I'm here to pilot a Gundam. <laughs> um, 
hey, these girls beat ass. I love they're, cooking they're crackers so much. They're so cute because so the first much. thing they do when they see biscuit, like they're really happy. Because we first saw them, like they stop at Atra on She's her way. She's like, Atra, you gotta run us over. Yeah, you gotta hit the brakes. Like Atra is like driving her silly little truck with her boondoggle to give it to Mikazuki, and like the two girls are just like running in the middle of the road, be like, stop, you're evil. We hate because I think they think that she's like a Gellerhorn or something. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's really cute. It's really cute. But uh, so she like delivers them to Biscuit, and they run up to Biscuit, and they give him a big hug, and then they're like, "You, you have to." <laughs> uh, um, where's 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 my fucking yeah? The uh, <laughs> she says you have to rub my head for trying hard, and he gives both of them pats on the head. <laughs> Yeah, it's out there. I love Biscuit and his siblings. They are such a cute. It's like it is a very needed like interjection of levity whenever they're on screen yeah. together. Like, yeah, like yeah, the ki- the kids from seventy nine. We needed that. Exactly. The 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 honestly kind of are uh, a pretty a close analogy to Kika Cats and Let's. Like, there's a lot of analogies in the show. The greatest of which we haven't really seen yet in uh, McGillis and Galileo. But like. It's, every Gundam's a callback to Gundam in some way, shape, right. or form, obviously. Yeah, no, there's, it's, there, it's, 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 it's Final Fantasy. There's always a wedge. There's always a city. There's always a lighthouse. Yeah, there's, there's always a man. There's always, <laughs> there's always a little French boy with a baguette dancing around because that's how you know it's in France. Um, <laughs> I, know, I didn't know that was from the DLC of Bioshock Infinite. Until, I thought that was just like part of the base game. <laughs> There's always there's always a there's always a boy with a potato uh, grown in Matt Damon's poop that let you know it's on Mars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's always a boy with a potato. So, there's always a boy with a potato to tell you this part takes place in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> um, Atra uh, meets Mika, and you we like immediately you can tell oh she has a crush on him. Yeah. Obviously, um, she's you know really sheepish, and again it's just so cute because they're both so fucking small. Yeah, it's they're oh God they're so short. It's so cute. <laughs> Yeah, she like she sees him. She's like, "Are you okay?" And then she like gets a closer look and sees like the blood dripping down half his face. And she's like, "Oh, I shouldn't have asked that. Clearly, he's not okay. Yeah. That was a stupid thing to ask." Uh, but like again, you get the idea that Mika's like, like he's just doesn't he doesn't get it. You know, like it's not you know liking girls isn't on his mind at all. Mm-hmm. It's it this very feels like a a, a more one sided crush that Atra has on Mika. He has but, like he has he ha- again. I, I will reiterate. He has three interests. He has. It's killing Orga and killing for Orga. Exactly. But but she does have a cute little bracelet yeah, she, she made for she, him. She that... Gives him <laughs> she, that, yeah, she gives him her she gives him a boondoggle to put on the gun to put on the keychain for his Gundam keys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it has the fucking charm slot. Yeah, getting getting a piercing on his on his uh his hedgehog spine to like. Yeah, he wraps to... it around it, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um we <laughs> Joke, so, yeah, I would, so if, th- if I if I had gotten that surgery, I would absolutely be using that as like a a, a hair tie storage area. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I need to take a nap, I just plug my a fucking USB C port into it to wake myself up a little yeah. bit. Um, the, the next big scene we get uh, is Kudelia hanging out with Fumitan, and she's really sad because she's kind of realized she can't go back home because she knows that her father is the one who set her up for this. Yeah. Because she mentioned that like her father was always staunchly against her being this sort of beacon of Martian independence. So the fact that he was like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah, girl, go off," is like very suspicious. And she finally realizes that like, "Oh yeah, he definitely hired Gallarhorn to kill me." So she's like, well, "I don't, I don't fucking know what to do now. Like, I can only go home if I can prove that he didn't." Uh, have anything to do with me trying to be killed by Gallarhorn. Right. And of course, Ron Howard voice, this would prove impossible. <laughs> uh, Mikazuki walks in on this scene and is like, oh, you're still around? Huh, don't don't thank me. And also tells her to quit apologizing 
that his comrades didn't die because of her and that he wants her to stop looking down uh-huh. on them. There's a real, yeah. like, the friction between, like, Ina and the rest of CGS is really, really, like, it is the, it is the strongest with Mikazuki, but the tension between them is really strong to me. I like it a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, like it's, it's good, like... They're kids. They have no money. Right. They have no education. Meanwhile, walks in this rich girl who's like the daughter of like, you know, the prime minister of the region. It's like, there's like the biggest fucking gap possible. Right. It's, yeah. And she's trying to bring herself down to like work with them. But like, even just mm-hmm. by the nature of like seeing it, seeing it as like bringing herself down to their level, like she is inherently looking down upon them. And yeah, they see it as patronizing. And it's only when she like fucking the, the only time Mikazuki gives her an inch is like when she like puts in some effort and like very badly does makes dinner. <laughs> when she chops cucumbers like so fucking shitty. Yeah. yeah. It's so fun. Um we so so this is and the next up we kind of start to get to <laughs> well, see well, after, well first we, first we have to talk about the very important thing, which is the scene where Ina meets Cookie Cracker and Atra, which is very important just because uh Cookie oh, and Cracker yes. are looking at a pepper that's shaped like a butt. <laughs> Yeah, I, and we see one of them like just like t- crying, laughing about it. Yeah. I just God, I fucking love Cookie Cracker so much. It does look like a butt. They're not wrong. I will say, I had a part of my dinner was an Asiago bagel, and it did look a little bit like Ooh. a butt. So Neve made chicken parm for us and Brussels Brussels oh, sprouts. Fuck yeah. it was so good. God, I love Brussels sprouts. Top tier veggie. Yeah. Don't let the, don't let the haters say otherwise. No, anyone um, who says otherwise is wrong as hell. Exactly. And it, it's cool. It's like, they're kind of like fangirling over her. Otter's like, you're someone famous. Like, can we get your autograph? And Cookie Cracker like, yeah, can we get your autograph too? It's it's cute. Yeah. I really like, we'll, we'll see a lot of like these four girls hanging out together. And it's nice. Like they all get along really well. They all have like different, you know, different ways to bounce off each other yeah. in, in fun ways. Uh, Orga gets his ass completely fucking beat. Uh, Haida is yeah, the name he does, of he, like the- yeah he does the he does the classic like don't touch my guy don't touch my men just beat just just fucking beat me into a pulp yeah and he does and Orga's like after afterwards he's pretty much fine he's like all right <laughs> all right boys I got a fucking plan now that sucks shit <laughs> that was that was awful like he's like Maruba sucked ass but these first core guys are worse they just think they mm-hmm. were bait their their minds are small we, they 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 will not make us very much money. They're going to take worse yeah. jobs and we're going to get killed. Yep. Um, and uh, Biscuit's like, well, I, we have no real choice but to stay. Like, we're just human debris. And the subcapitalized, like, capital H, capital D, so, human debris. So, okay. And I know it's a terminology. Uh, I know it's, like, terminology. Yes. Well, it wasn't Biscuit. Specifically, it was Akihiro Oh, it was Akihiro, was yes. Because debris. this is when Akihiro and says, I will, I will take orders from whoever, whether it's them or whether it's you. And you'll notice. And th- th- this may be, like, 10, 15 episodes in. There's a reason why his jacket has that big red stripe. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah, th- th- that's something that we'll tackle in the future of, like, what human debris is. Uh, spoiler alert, it's fucked up. Yeah, um, I mean, you human, can probably human, guess. human debris is, like, a term I had heard. Like, I had heard, like, the floating cor- like the floating corpses that existed as a result of the wars in space. Like, I had had them referred to as human debris in 79 and Zeta. Mm-hmm. But, like, this was, like, a proper noun. Capital H, capital D. Yes, no, th- th- I mean, human debris is the reason why I did not want to make the robot in the show art say child slavery is bad. Yeah. We'll get oh, there. It's, that's, it's fucked up. Oh, that's good. Oh. You know, n- not in so many words, but it's more nuanced yeah. than it was I, seen, I, I, I fully, I fully believe it. I'm just, um, I'm really listening to the Shrieking Shack right now, and I just got to, like, one of the first chapters where they did a deep dive about the elf racism. Um, yeah, about the God. El- about elf slavery. 
And it's just like I'm sure I, I trust I I give the show a lot more uh, I'm gonna give the show a lot more leeway than I would miss Joker Rowling, uh, but uh, I did just inflict I did just like reflexively recoil at that. Uh huh. But um yeah, we 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 jump over to uh the Gellerhorn station where Crank is yes. preparing to go on his solo mission. He holds up two amiibos in his hand and is he, <laughs> he says I'm gonna do this on my own. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, he has like um. He, he has this Gjallarhorn pin that Orlis had that I guess they were somehow able to recover. Oh, that's or whatever. what that was. Okay. Um, yeah, Gjallarhorn, you, you'll see. It's like, it looks like a cornucopia, like French horn type yeah. thing. They're sort of like sigil. Uh, you see it a lot in lots of different places, but that's that's the Gjallarhorn logo effectively. Um, and yeah, he's going alone. He doesn't want to fight them, but Coral is like strong arming them. And it's yeah. like, he, you have to fucking you do it. Like, I don't give a shit. Kids. We're getting inspected by Galio and McGillis, and if anything's amiss, like, you need to get Kudelia, you need to kill her or bring her here, you need to, like, clean up any evidence of this battle, because, again, this is, like, sort of showing how Coral is, sort of, the leader of his own faction within Gjallarhorn, and that can easily get stamped out by the higher-ups at Gjallarhorn if they catch wind of him trying to, like, you know, pave his own way, effectively. Yeah, man going, he's a man going his own way. <laughs> God. Um... Yeah, we see uh, back on Mars, we see Orga hand Mika a straight up an actual just desert eagle right. handgun. Okay, but before that, Orga walks up to Mika working on the gun and Mika looks at him with his fresh injuries and says, oh, you got handsome. And it's, I'm just, they're really just, I would be put, I would be putting these two together like two Barbie dolls and saying now kiss if they were not doing this for me. But like, they're doing this for me like all, they're just like starting off with this shit. Yeah. It, that's that's honestly the, the dub made it a little bit worse like less notable because he just says oh wow you don't look so great dude <laughs> um but so say, saying to your bestest bro who you would literally kill the entire world for you're handsome when he comes in all fucked up is like mm, mm, yeah. yes this is good um <laughs> i'm not putting my gunpla together and smashing their faces <laughs> yeah, together. So you're making the kiss. uh orga says i i uh, mika says i know you're not a famous quote maker or anything but i remember that thing you posted on reddit that one time which was you can see the dead when you're dead so keep so to keep the living alive do everything you can and i what what, what was that line in the dub give or take is that about what it was um, yeah, yeah, Orga asks Mika why he isn't, like, you, you, you know, you're not gonna go see the dead, and Mika's like, you know, well, I'll be able to see them when I'm dead. Yeah. It's a little bit less worry than that, but it feels like the kind of thing Mika would say, it's like, yeah, no time for that, because, like, mm-hmm. I still got shit to do. Yeah. Because, you know, he's working on the power down Gundam that doesn't have any, like, juice right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Orga gives him the gun, and he's like, I have a plan, you'll know when it happens, just like, he doesn't even need to tell Mika the plan, because some of the boys were wondering... You know, what happens if people say no to his plan? And Orga's like, if Mika says he doesn't want to go through with his plan, then it, we're calling it off. Simple as. But Mika's like, I don't even know what the plan is. Like, you're Orca. I will do this for you. Yep. I'm it's I'm a, smiling his, and nodding. <laughs> I love these boys so much. It's his, he's his landheart. I'm going to keep saying this because it's true. Exactly. Oh, my God. Um, The um uh, uh, Farid and Baudin, the, those are their yes. names, right? Uh, those are their last uh, the, names, so, I think. So, it's it's so confusing because McGillis is certainly not a first name, but it's the first name for Gundam. But yes, McGillis it's, it's McGillis Farid and, and Gailio Gailio Baudin. Baudin. Yeah, so McGillis and Gailio, I will call them by their first name. For some reason, I wrote their last names in yeah. my notes, but I digress. Um, it goes back. And they're forth. welcomed to the to to the to uh, to Coral's Gallerhorn station by Gallerhorn, and he's like, "Here, I'll, I'll guide you through it." And they're like, "No, no, no, please, we're going to do this inspection on our own." And the general like just a huge and yaba sweat about it. Yeah. And says, like, Crank, you better do your job properly. 
fucking crank crank uh and that's kind of yeah that's where the it ends. Uh, I, I like the I, I noticed at this point that there's like a rotating cast of people doing the next time on because the first episode had atra doing it and now cookie and cracker are doing it and yeah the third episode has it, eugene that, saying what's happening next well that episode three does not end with eugene saying here's what happens in episode four it instead ends with him complaining that the name that uh orga chose for cgs the new name orga chose for cgs yeah. is not epic enough which he's wrong it's funny it's he's so no, yeah he's fucking wrong yeah. as hell um Another cool sort of like meta thing the show does with like out of episode bits is how the the show cuts the episode title seemingly like halfway through the show. It's like it, it's like the commercial break begins with them showing the name of the episode itself, which is like a cool little departure of, you know, normally you see it when the show begins. But no, it's like halfway through. It'll say Barbatos and like, oh, it's, that's yeah, it's a, I love a title card drop. This is one of the many re- one of the many things that I love about ReZero is like the. It's mostly it mostly happens at the end of the episode where it will just be like uh-huh. a bad thing, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, like yeah. A bad like Natsuki Subaru will have a fucked up, terrible, very bad, awful day, and like like the like he'll get his head cut off or whatever, and then the, the title card jo- drops in. It's like Natsuki Subaru is very bad, terrible, no good, awful day. Exactly. <laughs> and um, and I think we mentioned it before, but like the ending is so good. I love the ending. Of yes. This. Oh, it's so good it's so soulful it's yeah, very like again like know, I, I, I referenced great, I, I i pointed to great gig in the sky about it earlier and like i i stand by mm-hmm. that like it's yeah the vocals are very reminiscent of that to me yeah um a little bit um a little bit real folk blues cowboy bebop too also a little bit i have to look up to see who, who the group that did this if they did anything else because chances are probably right you know you do one song for anime you certainly will do several more at least yeah but it's just a very very good ending song um orphans no namida is the name of the track orphans no namida by so good. misia what has misia done let me see let me check her my anime list see what she's mm, yeah the reputable website well that it, it's this is the second highest gundam series it's got it's good for research it's, got, it's good it's, for it's, research it's the imdb database uh she hasn't done much now the only other things i can find oh, are okay. uh, a thi- something called e- uh what is sorry i why do i have japanese names turned on for my anime list i don't know the names very well enough uh king of thorn and uh, friends colon uh, Naki of Monster Island. Those are the only two things. Damn, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> the one where they go to Monster Island. <laughs> yeah. God, I fucking lo- no. Amazing Island is the game I'm thinking of, not Monster Island. You play that game? The fucking GameCube yeah. game where you make your guys. Yes. I fucking love that, that game. That game was so good. That game was so goddamn good. Just the wow. abominations you could create with the fucking like like using a GameCube controller to do to do drawings yeah, to, and to, MS to, paint draw, to create draw creatures. a new type of guy. Like really fuck it up and just turn off symmetry and you just have a completely yeah. un unexistable creature. <laughs> Go, Pablo Picasso. Those <laughs> <Yeah>. minigames <sighs> fucked right. too. Yeah, I love the, the fucking the one that was like this the the Hitmon Top mini game from Pokemon Stadium Two. That one I could never fucking do. That one, the, the one where you had to run down the cliff and like skip along the water. Yes. I could never time it. That right. one took that one took me like days to figure out how to do. Yeah, what a good that was such a like that's a blockbuster game in my oh, mind. I never I owned bu- the game, I but that, I rented that. Fucker. I bought that game like day one. Those ads got me. God. I can't believe I met the only other person on Earth who remembers Amazing Island. <laughs> I was just talking about it with my sister this week, too, so it's, like, fresh in my mind. Fuck yeah, good shit. Yeah. Um, all right. Episode three. Iron-Blooded Orphans. Episode three. Glorious Demise. Glorious Demise. 
As CGS eat their dinner, Orca's plan is enacted. The boys drug the adults' meal and tie them all up. Mika executes Haida and Sasai, and they let all the adults leave who wish to, but keep Dexter Colastor so he can be their accountant. As they review CGS's financial situation, Crank once more arrives at the CGS base to duel Mikazuki in exchange for Orlis' grace and Kudalia. Mika accepts and is able to soundly defeat Crank, killing him so that he can take his responsibility to the grave with him. During the battle, Orga realizes their organization needs a new name. He chooses the name Tekadon, which means Iron Flower. They will never wilt, and they will never die. I'm looking at the camera. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know what? When a kind, kind of a... If a, mm. if, a character <laughs> if a character says something, it must be... Donji was the last one. Like, sorry, RIP to him, but like he was the last casualty to... The last body... <laughs> we draw the line here. <laughs> surely. I, I'm eating a big fucking spoonful of cookie crisp and saying, uh -huh. surely this will be the last body on the funeral pyre. <laughs> It's fucking sick, the cool logo. Yeah. We don't even see the logo yet, but the logo itself is like just, you, you see it in the opening. It's that red sort of like. Let me, let me look at it. It just like, you know, the, it, it's like a, it's like a like oval with like Oh yeah, I see. Yeah, like, it looks like a. Um, petal like thing. Looks like a, looks a bit like a Pope hat. Like a, bish, like a bishop's hat. It does. It looks a bit papal with it. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, um, we, we see, th this episode sort of begins the character trait that Mika has this weird snack he eats all the time. I think they're supposed to be prunes or dates, some sort of dried fruit that he likes that no one else in the entire show does. I could go for some dried um, prunes. I could go for some fucking dried prunes, right? I don't know. Maybe that, that's where he gets all his nutrition yeah. when he's a growing boy. But, like, you always see him, like, chowing down on these things. It's very cute. Like, there's a, I remember specifically a lot of lines in the sub. It's, like, him saying, like, yeah, but, like, his mouth is full of prune or whatever. So it's just, like, oh, no. it's cute. Yeah. I like him. <laughs> I, I very much enjoy this character. I, I like, God... Mika is just nice. Mika's nice with it. I very much not nice, actually. Like, like <laughs> based on everything I've seen out of this character so far, not nice. But to me, he's nice. Exactly. Yeah, he, I'm not going to be. Mika has no reason to shoot me because Orga said so. So he's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and th the first big scene is this like dinner scene. Yeah. Uh, uh, we we find I, out that Ina is Ina is like not very good at pouring soup. Like she is that and she's like that out of touch with like doing things that the, that the lay person would need to do on a day to day uh -huh. basis. Yeah. Like she she's just never cooked a meal. She does not know how to handle a ladle. Uh, but she, uh -huh. she's never cut a cucumber. But the twins teach her how and say you have to do net, you have to do cat paws and <laughs> you know like nya. Yeah, she does nya. It's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> god it's like so funny that it's in such a and again to, to, it's it's modern anime you're gonna get these cute character moments it just feels so weird that it's like so prevalent in a gundam series but it's in a gundam series and it's there and it's cute and it's like such a weird like bit of levity between you know orga telling mika to execute this motherfucker yeah i mean that was a that was a, that was a bright part of the show too because the, the motherfuckers he executed were guys i did not want to much stomach much longer yeah oh i'm he was very good he's, he said alexa kill this clown yeah <laughs> Um, I love, and I love when, uh, uh, Cookie and Cracker give Mika, they give Mika, uh, Kudelia's fucked up cucumber yeah. chunk soup, and he, and she is, so, it's like, we see, so the shot is, like, panning across the whole cafeteria, and Kudelia is like, way in the background, and when she hears Cookie and Cracker say Kudelia chopped him up herself, she makes the fucking funniest, like, her face turns red and her mouth, like, drops open, she's like, huh? and, like, sprints over, yeah. it's so fucking good. Uh, she does not manage to stop him from eating it, but he's like, no, it tastes good, actually. I like when there's big chunks. Makes me feel like I'm eating something. He says, Penguin from Mario Galaxy Voice. So, chunks, So, huh? chunks, huh? No, that wasn't the Penguin. <laughs> was that the Penguin? Yeah, that was the Penguin. I it, thought it was one of the big, one yeah. of the big fat uh, Lumas. No, but instead of instead of the star bit for chunk, it's the cucumber emoji. I, um, 
God, this is... I I went to Toronto International Animation Festival uh, for, as part of my undergraduate back when I was an art student in, like, 2015. Uh-huh. Um, and they did very much... This was back before I was going as Sarah. I was I, Before I was Sarah, I was Luna for a good while. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Uh, they very much just... Uh, they gave me a badge that said Luma on it. <laughs> Luma, Luma Rogers. I, I hear like the little like the like the little like bongo music that plays when you're when you're giving yeah, the star yeah, bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the I just oh, the, the, the chirp that you hear when the, the when you when yeah. you interact with them. God, Mario I, fuck, I haven't game. played Mario Galaxy in too fucking long. I gotta play that shit. I've I beaten it. Gaming is good. Gaming is um, good. Let's see. We oh yeah so 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 at, at some point uh, the boys had like given the adults the remaining like first unit yeah. people who were like just like chilling in bed. <laughs> they gave they them, gave them they, soup. They gave them Nyquil soup. <laughs> <laughs> they, they gave them biscuits signature sleepy times too. <laughs> just, just, um, just pour, just empty a bottle of melatonin in there. <laughs> why is this soup purple? And and you gotta get a little bit. You, gotta, you know what? Toss a little bit of cilantro in there too. Really makes it a whole. Really makes it all pop. Yeah. No. He has a salt grinder, but it's like grinding <laughs> up fucking sleeping pills <laughs> in the soups. Uh, they're completely tied like, up though. He's got, Organ- he's got a. <laughs> He's got a salt shaker and then a salt shake and then a thing that looks like a salt shaker that has a label on it that says not salt in all caps. <laughs> God. Um, so the, the, the adults are all tied up and like Orga's like, we're not here to negotiate. And like, you just you know, straight up says you're listening to us now. And like, without a fucking beat, Mika walks up and just double taps yes, Haida in the head. Bam, bam, gone. Like, ba-ba, out the gate. And it's like, oh, that happened concerningly quickly yeah. Orgo hits him with the ultimatum of you can work for us or you can get the fuck out of here and one of the one uh-huh. of the guys the guy like the, his uh, the one of the first like the first squadron's like second in command like tries to charge at them and just again gets yeah. blasted in the face Ba-ba-ba. Hey, Mika has good fucking. He he watched Zombieland. He knows double tap. Yeah, he's got he's got some incredible aim too. Like holy shit. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it must be like how often he. Maybe the Alaya Vinyana makes your brain, you know, makes you Kylex Y brain because like he just like yeah he's quick, <laughs> quick with it. He's got like a fucking like he he's got ADS when he puts the gun up. He's got like the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mika's using aimbots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's so funny when Orga says, uh, "You can leave if you want to," and then fucking the first guy who's like, "Let Dexter, me leave." Dexter, the accounting guy, Dexter. Biscuit's like this guy's name is Dexter Calculator, basically. <laughs> Yeah, and Biscuit's like, oh, you do accounting. Sorry, you gotta stay. Yeah, we, we, We're kids. We don't know numbers. I, I, we don't know numbers, and we want to make sure that, these spa- that Space IRS doesn't audit us. Yeah, which is like, it's, it's Gallarhorn Green. Yeah. Is there for the fucking branch, basically. Yeah. Um, And that the very next scene is so good, because they're in the head yes, office. Yes, I love where, this um, scene so much. This is like one of the... <laughs> I already liked Orga based on a lot of things, but like, there's like a small character moment here that just absolutely sends him over the top for me. Is, is it him giving severance pay yes. to the guys who quit? Yes, because, like, the thing that he says, like, Orga says, you gotta pay for labor. And, like, he's 100% right. He fucking gets like, it. Like, yes, f- pay for, sir, pay for, <laughs> render unto the workers what is the workers. Yeah, I'm looking into the camera and saying, pay for labor. Right. He also says, like, uh, he also mentions the thing about, like, we don't know where these guys are going, and we want to make sure that our reputation is good. Like, if we if if we give off the impression that we send people that we send people off without money, if we have a if we have a disagreement, be it large as big as this one or smaller, uh, we will not get much work. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, hey, he he has a business savvy to him, yeah. clearly. I mean, he, he he's the one in charge now, yeah. basically. Um, or- um Orga says we're only doing honest jobs, too, also. Um and we uh we we see some money. Dexter gives Dexter does some accounting for them. <laughs> Dexter does money math. Dexter does money. De- see- Dexter does what I'm studying to do. Like this this is this uh, in in six to eight months once I receive my certification and my degree, I will be Dexter Colaster. I will be the white Dexter Colaster. <laughs> the white Dexter calculator. The white Dexter calculator. <laughs> God, I love Dexter's glasses. They're like wrapped around his head. Yeah, I, I, they're I got, quite I got silly. I got glasses just today too. Like it's hell yeah. It's, in the air. it's 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 fucking it's prophetic. Yeah. Uh, and he he shows them. He's like, all right, this is our money based on everything we salvaged from the battle. Yada yada yada. And the boys like, wow, I've never seen this much money. And he's like, and after subtracting expenses, this is what we have. And they're like, wow, this is fucking pocket yep. change. This is nothing. We have three months. <laughs> yeah, we are fucked. Yep. Um, uh, but they, it's they, like they, it, it's that it's that. Hold on, it's the, I, I requested this image be sent to me a couple days ago. I'm gonna find it real quick and then drop it in the chat. But it's the all day I all day I fucking busy, very little money. <laughs> let me let me find the picture. There's also the um the God, sorry, one second. Yeah, you're fine. Uh, here we go. The there's there's two images that it is. I posted I posted both of them in the server, but uh the. I look stupid and I make very little money and whole day I'm fucking busy, only get few money. Oh, I, 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 I the, the little handbag you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's basically tuck and tuck it on, yeah. yeah. Um, this is the, uh, this is the other one that I'm talking about, this, um, this thing from a shitty webcomic. I look stupid and I make very little money. Just spit tears in the eyes. God, that's so good. This is tuck it on. Um, yeah, this is tuck God. Uh, at, at this point, the alarm blares because Crank is here. His grays has like this like big red. It, a, where did they get this? Do they just have a gigantic like tarp that they just tied yeah, you, onto? Because it looks you like gotta, it's made you gotta of gotta cloth. Keep one on your, you got to keep one on you for duels and such. True. Like, you yeah, know, like the, has we, his... we, we missed the part of the we missed the part of in episode one when Mikazuki was giving Aina the tour. We missed the part where he was like, "There's our big red challenge tarp." Yeah, exactly. it's, it's like you know what you know what it's like you know how in football like the coaches stand on the side and they got challenge flags in their pocket if they don't like what the ref called on that last play yeah exactly <laughs> they have gundam sized ones of those right. it's just like it like in the future they have invented finally paper that can fold more than seven times and so like <laughs> orga just keeps one of these in his pocket like folded a thousand times over into like a little yeah. pocket square <laughs> It's it's like a fucking like uh like battle kit for the Gundam to pop that thing yeah, out. Yeah, it's like um when he pulls it out, it's like you know those like those like witches hats with like the wire brim you can like fold in to make like a little circle, like or like a yeah, frisbee yeah. or something like that. It just like flumps out like that, but it's like yeah. way bigger, <laughs> gigantic. Yeah. yeah, uh, he's here to challenge Mika, and he gets on the horn and he says, "Hey, you know we can duel. Uh, if I win, you gotta relinquish Kudelia." And give me back the graze of my my boy Orlis, and like he's like, all right, and then we'll leave you alone. Story and a story, and like half the guys just want them to say like, don't even duel. Just like, what what is Kudelia doing for us? Give her to them. And the other half are like, they're gonna they're gonna fucking kill her. We no, absolutely not. Yeah. We found out, we found um, out his but, last name, which is Zent, and just Crank Zent is like Crank Zent. Crank Zent is, Zent is a powerful. This name. is boiling down Gundam names to their essence, in my opinion. 
I mean, here's here's the thing, Sarah. I'm sure this conversation has been had every two months in the Gundam Discord. There's a character in one of the Gundam series whose name is Bring Stabity. <laughs> Bring? It's just like Bring Stabity. I think the same series has someone named Revive Revival. They do really get you out. Like, like Bright Noah is a pretty ridiculous name, but like the thing is that you are so inured to it after like the end of the fourth episode that you're like, yeah, Bright Noah, my per- my my friend, Bright Noah. Well, uh-huh. friend, my enemy, Bright I mean, Noah. Yeah, yeah, enemy. But like, I, even names in this series again, like there's Chad Chadan, there's fucking Carta Issue, there's. Sakura Pretzel. Carta issue is that's a, that's an Ace Attorney that's an Ace Attorney name for like a mechanic, like a body shot mechanic. One Cart of the best names. Cart ja- issue. Jasly Denomicals. <laughs> that's okay. That's also an Ace Attorney. That's also an Ace Attorney name, but one that I have not figured out the pun of. Like, like this, it's like, this is one that I'm gonna stare at for like six months and not understand. Like, that's a rebel in uh in uh Spirit of yeah, Justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I ne- I stared at that for so long because I never put together like instead of oh I I was pronouncing it like our ball like mm-hmm. and I was just like what that's our ball is it like a sports thing hard to parse I all day yeah, yeah <laughs> I look yeah. stupid and make very little money <laughs> <laughs> all day I work uh so they uh they get ready to fight this is the thing when Orca explains um to Kudelia that like. Yeah, the Elia Vinyana kind of fucks people up. Like, I think because Orga mentioned that he and Mika were in a group of eight kids who got it, and only four made it out. Yeah. He's like, the other four are probably still in the hospital to this day, and Mika got it uh, three times. Yeah, he, he rolled, he, he, he like rolled the triple axle, no wide lens or anything, and, you know, got the 90 <laughs> Yeah, he hit, hit that 90 accuracy yeah. check. Yeah. Um, M- Mika, the kind of motherfucker to, to, to hit a thunder in bright sun. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh god! The uh, the he's got that. <laughs> he's eating his white herb. He's eating his white herb to hit that solar beam in, in brain. <laughs> <laughs> god, um, that's good. Yeah, the the um, sorry, no, the, not the white herb. The power herb. God, uh, power. Yeah, white herb is that. I'm, I'm banned from I'm, I'm being forcibly removed from Roy League for this one. <laughs> Um, I think I want to just jump back real quick because I feel like we've, we kind of jumped mm. over some of the Kudelia stuff in this episode and it's, yeah, she yeah, doesn't yeah, get yeah. a ton of stuff, but I think the stuff that she does get is very important because she has like very much been dealing with the fact that she wants to like be able to help these people who saved her and trying to interact with them in a way that is not like holding, keeping them at arm's length and just being like, this is my, this is, you know, these people died for me. That's so tragic. It's, you know, and being like, you know, a uh, bit of a fucking like rich savior about it. And she, like, as soon as Crank is like, hey, give give her up to me, she's like, she steps out, like, fully in her dress, like, hair down in the heart, uh-huh. and she's like, I am going to do this. I'm meaningless battles should be avoided. And they don't let her, because Mika's like, I'm fucking doing this thing. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's like, specifically, because I think the conversation with her and Orga about the Alaya Vinyana is her asking, could I get that? And he's like, fuck no. And so a lot of her arc is like figuring out how she can be useful. Well, like, cause she knows that she can't fight. She knows that that is not what she's here for. Cause again, she's a peaceful person. Like it's not like a Relina peacecraft situation where she's flat out refuses to have anything to do with fighting. Uh-huh. Um, but like it, it is her effectively like finding like, okay, this is how, like not to ingratiating herself with the boys in Tekadon, but like this is her way of like kind of bridging the gap between 
you know, her being of such high status compared to these like child soldiers of her being like, I will do whatever it takes to like help you out and like make a future for people like you. So it's like, she, she is quite a remarkable character in that like the, like one of the very first things that she does is like willingly throw herself to danger. Cause she's like, I don't want to help people. It's good. Yeah. I, I very much I like, like this character. Really. Like I, I very much have been endeared to like her being the one named girl character in a sea of men is like, that's very much, I'm very, very like to enjoy this character to begin with. But, um, even in spite, like even with that set aside, like she's just, I really enjoy everything that they've doing with her so far. Yeah. I, I mentioned this in discord. Honestly, Iron-Blooded Orphans might be... It, it's pretty good to its women characters. It's not the best to its women characters. I think Wing might be the best Gundam to its women, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, Iron-Blooded Orphans is pretty good for a lot of it. Like, yeah. it, it's it's not, like, fucking, you know, early Gundam. Zeta has a lot of problems with its women characters. So it, it's not as bad as that. Like, it it's... I don't know. It, it, it's just, like, there is good writing to IBO that I quite like. Yeah. Good show. Yeah. Um, um, but so Mi- and also, Mika says, you know, like, Mika ass. says, square up, throw that chair up in New York. I'm Millie Rock. Hit the club, tear it up. <laughs> <laughs> Mika Rock. Yeah, you Mika Rock. Um, uh, and gets into it with, like, before even, like, fil- really fully settling the terms, which is like, that bugged me, but then they, they were addressed it in the show. Like, they, they yeah. just, because Crank is like, uh, well, when I, if I win, I get Kudelia and yeah. the Greys, and there's no point at which it's not until after the battle is over that Mika even asks what happens if I win because his, his sole motivation as he says in this scene is uh is is that Orga told him to kill to kill Grays. <clears throat> uh, so Mika asks like how do we decide the winner when one dies and Crank responds no need for that we just wanted to kill Kudelia children should not be victimized for adult strifes like this is not something that I am like that is a foreign concept to me like this is a common thing like so, like, you know, Jujutsu Kaisen has this, like, you know, ch- children should not have to bear the sin of, like, being a child is not a sin. Like, the, the respect, the, the, ex- like, and it's a correct thing. It's just, like, very, it's just a regular, like, theme of, like, being a, ch- <laughs> to be ripped from childhood so early is such a tragedy. Right, yeah. And to- I mean, that that is very much a main theme of this Yeah, series. a main theme of Gundam, really, like. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, yeah, I like that. Called- I like that shit. Yeah. Show about kids. Yeah. Um, they they fight. We get you know cool maneuvers. Crank is pretty good one on one when he's not like having to cover the other two less competent mobile suit pilots. At some point, Crank is able to like break the handle off of Barbatos's mace, mm-hmm. and the handle flies and lands right in front of Orga and everyone else. And like everyone cowers except for Orga, who just like fucking badass stoic, just arms crossed, yeah, just standing like, and, like as like the dust flies past him. I knew that was gonna miss me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his fucking, his fucking uh, one like wisp of hair bang forms the Fibonacci spiral, yep. so he can like see the math as it flies towards yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> like getting fucking back um, thrown off stage at like seventy two percent and being like, oh, I know that one. That wasn't gonna. That would never kill me. Yeah, <laughs> you know when when you're playing Pokemon, you run the counts. Yeah. <laughs> I can survive this in this future calc that show that will be downloaded into people's brains. That's what they install on the base of your spine, yes, exactly. That's the surgery. <laughs> um, it's the Alakazam Vaporeon system. All right, let me. Let me what, what, what's we'll, the, we'll what's the actual name again of the of the thing? Alaya Vinyana. Alaya Vinyana. Um, okay. Uh, the the Alaya Vi. Okay, Vibrava. The Alaya Vibrava. I love it. The 
Uh, hold on. I'm I'm looking the um the Amora Vibrava system. Amora Vibrava. Okay. All right. I like it. The Amora Vibrava system. Tremendous. Wonderful. The Amongus, this is a hard hitting research. Situ- <laughs> God. Um, like, and you know, so so yeah. The half of the base of the mace lands near Orga, and that's when he gets the little light bulb over his head. It's like, oh shit, I have a cool name after this. Shit. Yeah. Um, it's the Tekadon. He, he, he's he realized, yeah, we can't be CGS. We're Tekadon now, which means Iron Flower. Yeah. Uh, which fucking rules. And even the Japanese name of Iron-Blooded Orphans is Jitaketsu. So it's like, yeah. it's like that iron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other half of the mace, Mika is able to pick up and wouldn't you know, it has a pile bunker on the inside that he uses to just fucking pierce Crank's cockpit with it. Just like, boom, right point through blank, the, Right rules. through the tummy. Um, Love that shit. And the, uh, like, he grabs the head of it too and like just crushes it and there's like an outpouring of blood too which i was like where is the cockpit because there is some blood that comes out of the co- there's some blood that comes out of the stomach area of the gundam when um when mika pulls the 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 black knight greatsword out of there but there's also like a like a fountain of blood that comes out when he crushes the head so th- this is something that I feel I-, I don't know how people feel about this in general. I think it's a bit over the top sometimes. That's like oil pouring out effectively. Oh, okay. It just was red and it looked. It's it it's basically like the the show's visual shorthand for imagine this is a person gushing blood. Gotcha. But yeah, it's just like oil and you know lubricant and bits of machine goop that is like blasting out as if it was the blood of the machine. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like a, I don't think it's that needed in a lot of cases because it's like I don't need the machine to be covered in oil to understand that it did a big bloody hit when like half the machine is in pieces on the ground because you hit it with a fuck off mace. Yeah, but you know, sure, it looks badass. Yeah, it does. I I, I I thought it looked badass. It was a bit confusing, but yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, it'll and it'll happen a lot. So just just so you know for the future, that's not blood pouring. When you know when you see blood, you'll know it's blood. Yeah. But if it's like that dark brown color, it's just. There, oil but so I, I did just want to know. There's like a little splat of blood that comes out after the cockpit is pierced and just like lands on the Gundam's face. It looks fuck. It's fucking sick. That yeah. That that was actually that was Crank's blood, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That that yeah. It, the, the, based on the amount, I was like, that seems like a man's blood, especially be, yeah, it's especially a given bit. the fact that he doesn't yeah. immediately die as a result of this. Um. Yeah, and like. I, that sort of showdown afterwards when Mika comes out of his cockpit and Crank's like, I can't die. Can you help me, bro? Yeah, I can't even kill myself. Will you help me? And, like, Mika's just, like, he, like, looks out to the side and he's like, man. And it just, like, pops him between the eyes from 30 feet away. It's, like, as Crank thanks him for doing it, too. It's just, like, he, like, just wastes no time with yeah. it. Because, like, you know, Crank's whole thing is, like, and, and, and this is when you mentioned, like, Mika's, like, I didn't like that you didn't say what would happen if we win. And... It's that's not really resolved either, because like presumably Gallahorn's still gonna go after the boys because they still have Kudelia, right. they still have this contract to fulfill. But Crank couldn't do it, so bye bye Crank. Yep. Yeah, he did he left he left it out intentionally because there was no other like if he wins, they're gonna yeah. keep trying. Or if he loses Gone too if soon. Mika wins, they're gonna keep trying, yeah. Another uh visual thing that we get a lot with Mika, we get this right after he kills Crank, is he smells the bracelet Atra gave Yeah. Him. Which is another really, really sweet touch that, like, it, it really does help gr- ground Mika from this, like, bloodthirsty, emotionless killer to bracelet smell like girl. Yeah, bracelet smell like girl. <laughs> or what were you going to say? Uh, just the way the episode ends, which is like, uh, yes. uh, Charlie Chaplin, mustache, uh, says, he, oh, man, I wish we had negotiated and made some money. And then Ina walks up and says, uh, excuse me, I will exchange my money for your goods and services that continue to be my escort as we go to Earth. Um... 
and we mm. learned about Noblis <laughs> Noblis first name. First name Noblis, last name Gordon. Noblis Gordon. <laughs> this MF named Noblis. Noblis. You might as well just have named him Noblesse Oblige, whatever. Right, like, but he's he's basically he's basically Ina's sponsor with the rebellion, mm-hmm. and they undertake the delivery of her to Earth. And Eugene does not like this. Uh, and no. I, my note, my note, my note about this is pound sand, and I cannot tell if that is him like punching the dirt of the Earth or if me me just telling him to pound sand, like you know, to fuck well, fuck uh, off about it. That could, I mean, probably both, <laughs> yeah. but it very well could have been in response to like. I think Eugene is like that name's fucking lame. Yeah. When when Orga tells him that the, their name is Tekadon. Yeah, now. and we get like the end of the episode where he's like, "We should have named ourselves something cool, like Truth or Justice or whatever." As, like whatever. as you see this stuff, happening. whatever, man. And that's the episodes. Yeah, that's the episodes. Really, the show makes a wonderful first. Impression, I'm having a hard time not just doing the next episodes right now. <laughs> Like, uh, like yeah. I, um, so I watched these episodes on Friday and took my notes on them in advance of Neve getting here on Saturday. And on mm-hmm. Saturday night, I showed these episodes to, well, Saturday night, and then we watched one on Sunday morning. I showed these three episodes to Neve. And then later that night, Neve was like, I kind of want to watch some more Gundam. And I was like, I, I have to keep myself at the podcast pace. It's going to be hard though. Yeah. Well, you have, you have free reign for, for a luxurious three more episodes right, after if, this. Like if I watch those now, then I can't, well, I, I have to, that's all I get until we record <laughs> next time. Yeah, shit. it's I'm trying that it's it's the problem. It's good content. Really good yeah. mobile suits will see. I've been experiencing too. this a lot with ReZero too, where it's like I reach the end of the episode, I'm like, well, I mean I could keep watching because I have seen it before and I know what happens, but it's like fuck. I want to keep going. You yeah, you got it's 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 the podcaster's burden the pod, is what the it podcaster's is. Podcaster's lament. Oh god. Well, it, you know, next week we'll be doing three more. I've found it it's just like Somehow, it's always worked out. Three episodes a week has just been, like, the perfect pace for this show. Because it almost feels like the show is broken up, paced as if you right, were, like, we're going to watch three this, episodes at like, a time. Like, three episodes does... Like, it comes to, like, a natural conclusion at the end of this third episode. Yeah. I feel like it's a good, like... It's a good pause... Like, it feels very much like, um... Like, like, uh... I don't know, like I, I everything, <laughs> everything to me is Higurashi now. But, like, the way Higurashi breaks up, it's, like, it's... God, I hate the way Higurashi names things because there's eight parts of Higurashi that are the chapters, but each uh-huh. of those eight chapters has 10 to 15 chapters in it. And the game calls both of these things chapters, but like right. each chapter's chapter, like each of those has like, there are multiple like break points in them so that like you could like stop in the middle of one, but like the end of it does feel like a small thing happened, even though it is a part of a much greater thing. Like it feels very uh-huh. condensed, like a good stopping point. Yeah. Like no, and and, and this Higurashi, show even Higurashi does Higurashi that. Where... Invented storytelling, <laughs> so true. This show does that too, where this show is is broken up into seasons, and and you f- you see unlike a lot of like Gundam tier lists, this and I think Double O are separated into seasons a lot because they were they were released separately. Like I think season two came out a year after season one did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all one show, but you see the Crunchyroll has it separated by season. And it is, it, season one ends on, like, the show could have ended after season one. I'm glad it didn't, but it could have, because it's, like, it, it's almost like a separate thing mm-hmm. uh, that, that we'll, we'll find, like, see, between season one and th- season two, a lot of things change. Um, and the show is more interesting for it. But, yeah, it, it's just, like, it, it's good to have storytelling paced in such a way that it makes, it doesn't force you to, like, either watch one at a time or, like, binge the whole thing. Right, yeah. Very, very good. I like yeah. the it. Um... I li- I'm so glad you liked it. I'm so glad. This is a very cool series. There's like, there's some characters later on that I can tell you are going to absolutely adore. Oh, women. 
<laughs> Women, Sarah, this show has maybe like the most girl boss of any Gundam character. God, I'm so in excited. It. It, it, it's, it's like who was, one of who the ones where like. This might not have been a Gundam, but I feel like they're, they're, the only other Gundam girl boss I've seen is one who kicks a guy out the back of like a a freight plane and then shoots him in the eye as he is falling to earth. I- oh, that was Lady Un from Gundam Wing <laughs> and she is also like top 10 girl boss of all time. The fact that she like, bl- every single motherfucker in this series who wields a pistol is a fucking sniper with it. It's, it rules. I mean, it, it's like half of it's like, it's not as funny if they miss the shots, but the other half is just like, it, yeah, it's, it's so cool. Do, cool. do a cool ocelot trick. Yes. I love it. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Well, we're we're nearly at the close. Uh, I guess it's time for plugs. Sure, now. I'll have to remember to I have to remember to update the like podcast template now and episode art. A lot of new things. Yeah, I gotta e- send Matt the new episode art. So yeah, Sarah, where can we find you? On you the can internet? find me on Twitter at Sunhajenya S U N H A T Z H E N Y A. And if you have not had enough of my voice, maybe you can go listen to some of my other podcast. I referenced at the start of the episode that I have done uh, over about four hundred episodes of podcasts at this point. More than half of those have been for my horror movie podcast, Fear Baiting, which, Max, have you been on that? I have not, but I will yeah, be at some okay, point. Yeah, okay, yeah. We've got some plans in the works there. Um, yeah, it's a horror movie podcast. Um, I also do a bunch of other podcasts, such as two that are currently more or less on hiatus, The Wonder Years, which is an Animorphs reread podcast, uh, which we've done most of. We just haven't finished up the last 10 or so. Um, Henry Kissinger's mm-hmm. Pokemon Going to Die, it's a, it was like a current event podcast that we did, you know, still, still... Talking about maybe doing things, um. But the two the podcasts that I like I'm actively keeping up with as a as like a regular thing are uh forward forward re zero the re zero watch along podcast that I do with the aforementioned girlfriend of the show Neve and first co host of this podcast Morg. We're watching the po- yes. we're watching the show re zero. We just finished at, t- at time of this recording. We just finished the first half of the first season of that show. I think it's good. Um, you can also listen to the Jujutsu Kaisen podcast that I did with my very good friend Kay. Uh, it's called Special Grade Snacks, and we are not currently doing anything because the show is not currently airing, but there is a movie coming out in about a month and a half, and we will likely be seeing that movie and talking about it, so listen to that show. There were only, like, we only did like 12 or 13 episodes, because that's how, like, you know, two, two apiece, etc. Yeah. Um, Sometimes anime short. I think that's all of my podcasts. Uh, keep an eye out for Old Friends Chainsaw Dog Sanctuary in a couple of months whenever Chainsaw Man anime happens. <laughs> So fucking choice. Um, <laughs> and I think I think that's all the places you can find. I do too. I, I'm doing too many fucking podcasts. <laughs> Content never Content sleeps. Content never sleeps. Um, I've been Max. You can find me on Twitter at Maxi Bajillion. Uh, I have other shows. There is Pot of Greed, the world's number one and only Yu-Gi-Oh podcast, sponsored by Kaiba Corp. Where, like halfway through season three of GX, we've that's like our I think like ninth total season of Yu-Gi-Oh we've done for the show. Never ends. No, um, you. Yeah, the, the, the thing is that every time, like you, like I turned over a rock. I, I I turned over a rock the other day, and there was a full season of Yu-Gi-Oh under it. Like, yeah, it, they just keep making yeah. these shits. Konami is like, ooh, wow, these cards give us a lot they're of money. Like huh? Let's seri- keep doing this. They're in like series nine, right? Eight or nine, yeah. yeah. It, it's nuts. I think they just started eight. Um, you can. This is Walker about the one I'm talking about that I almost plugged. Uh, you can listen to Slappers Only, a video game music showdown podcast. Uh, you were on that re- yeah, recently, we, Sarah. We made, we made a the game, whip. and it was really good. And I'm mad it doesn't exist because that game would be so good. Um, we just finished Nevermind the Trollocs, which is a Amazon Wheel of Time rewatch podcast. Um, the uh, mailbag final episode of season one should be going up roughly around the time this episode goes up, maybe a week or two afterwards, uh, which is like the final episode until next year, question mark, when the show starts up again. 
but that's with the wonderful folks at Mobile Suit Breakdown, as well as Sarah, who is a host for Zeta. Uh, different Sarah. Different, yeah, I know, Sarah, so Sarah with an Sarahs. H. Yeah, like, I, I, I know, like, four different Sarahs. So when I talk to my fiance, I have to specify which Sarah yeah. because it's either you or Irish Sarah or the Sarah I know in real life or Katie's sister-in-law Sarah. So it's just <laughs> my um my my sister uh my sister's boyfriend uh his sis- his sister who it, who he's really close with and my sister knows is also named Sarah, which is just very confusing whenever that whenever I'm experiencing mm. them. Right, it never yeah. ends. So many Sarahs. So many Sarahs. Um, and finally, one last question. This is the fun part, Sarah. Um, this is very important. Okay. What is that robot of the week? The robot of the week to me, mm, the robot of the week is going to be, I'm going to choose the robot that I selected in my introduction post, which is going to be a uh, Sully. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this last time. Cause it's, it's been too long since I read the comic. My robot of the week is going to be Solopinski from Oh Human Star. And are you familiar with the comic of Oh Human Star? I don't believe I've ever heard of it. So, the comic of Oh Human Star is about a man, Alistair Serling, who dies, uh, like, bleeds out and dies one night. And then he wakes up 40 years later, where all the robotics that he had spent his entire life working on uh, had been turned into the way of the future. Like, he was the like the Steve Jobs of robot society. And he has been uh-huh. in, put into a... His consciousness has been put into an android that is a perfect copy of his now-dead body. But the hook of it is also that he, there was a kind of like robot clone of him that was also like his body, his, his mind from infancy. And this uh-huh. character was uh trans, like, like early in their teenage years, they decided they uh-huh. would rather be a girl. And the entire series is about like a lot of like, you know, just drama about that and about, you know, robotics and gender and things. And Sola is the, the, like the, the Alistair, the, the trans Alistair daughter. And Oh, he would start mm-hmm. a comic that's very near and dear to my heart. And I, I blue Delaquanti. If you like robots and future and gender, I cannot recommend Oh, Human Star enough. It's pretty short too. Damn, it's pretty short. I read I'll it. Have in, to check it out. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I read it over the course of like four or five days. I think it's very short. Um, right on. Great. Really, just tremendous shit. Gay too. Love that. Love that. Um, right on. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's robot of the week. Will... Shouts out Sola. Fuck yeah. <laughs> And that will do it for us. Thank you all for tuning in. It's a new frontier. We're on Mars now. Thank you so much for having me on for this one. I'm really, I'm really excited to keep yes, going. Yes, th- th- this is a, a wonderful beginning. Yes. I oh, this is going to be a next a wonderful couple of mm-hmm. months. Um, all right, thank you, listeners, uh, for tuning in next week. More IBO for you know next several months. Uh, and as we always say on the podcast, in fucking perpetuity, mm-hmm. war is bad. Wow, cool robot. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Alright, see you next time. Peace.